With Devan having more and more to do, he decides to take on more apprentices to help out with his projects and to keep him caffeinated. The first of which is a soy, a young, small, sarcastic woman eager to explore the ways of the arcane with the potential to learn some of Devan's martial arts. A few weeks later, a younger apprentice called Moth shows up and Devan decides to assign her to Cassandra for training. Devan has some trouble with his attempts to reach out to other planes and decides to visit Atropos for some advice. She helps Devan reach out and make contact with the outer planes in her own disturbing way. He contacts something and makes a deal of sorts. All he needs is a two-headed creature to use as a vessel and he will be able to summon a guardian for his tower. He spends some time wandering the hills, seeking a suitable sacrifice. But when days pass with no success, he decides to visit the giant Kronos, cleric of Valfara. He learns that Atropos's current apprentice has visited, seeking vengeance against her mistress. He takes the Trollheart from the altar and makes a hasty retreat to Atropos's cave, hoping to halt her apprentice's vengeance. He arrives to find Atropos alone, nibbling on some suspicious bones. He returns home and collects his apprentices to aid him in his dark administrations. He leads them to the secret workshop in the brackish fen to regrow a troll as sacrifice to dark powers beyond his ken. The first part of the plan goes well, but before the sacrifice can commence, the troll breaks free and battle ensues. While the troll is slain, thanks to the aid of the apprentices, Devan is badly injured. Attempt two goes better, and Devan calls forth a lesser Yugoloth to serve as library guard for his tower. Will Devan keep all his apprentices happy? How long until Kronos becomes a problem? What will the library's late fees entail? Let's find out now on Dicing with Death. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dicing with Death. How are you doing, Ryan? Hello, I am doing well. Splendid. Splendid. Yeah. No baby today. She's uh, transitioning into her first week of school, so that's a little weird. Oh, you got uh, some empty nest syndrome going on? I do, although she'll be back in like a couple of hours. (laughs) (laughs) Adorable. Yep, yep, yep. What's new with you? Got a new background? New background, temporary background until I figure out what to actually put there. New house, new background. Uh, Same wife, same cat. You know, you can Mm. only upgrade so many things at a time. So. Uh, You'll be sacrificing that cat and trading up for it to a Yugoloth soon, though, right? We will. Actually, even today, we saw a different cream-colored tabby walking around mm. in the neighbor's yard. Um, we couldn't get a good enough look to see if it's, like, a better cat than the one we have, but, you know, there, there's replacements out there. Nice. Maybe a smaller cat to spend most, less money on food? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our 16-and-a-half-pound beast is... Uh, 
Oof. Big. It's feisty. We sometimes call him Consent Cat because he will let you know when he does not want to be scratched or held. Um, he's very good at setting personal boundaries, and I think he's a useful tool in learning the concepts of when other people want to be touched. Consent Cat. Very mm. useful tool. So if a person hisses and attempts to claw your eyes out, maybe stop touching them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then you got to like the advanced technique is reading the body language. So you like go to pet him and then you see the tail start flicking. You're like, no, 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 not this moment. Or, you know, the ears pin back and you're like, he's definitely going to bite me. Maybe I shouldn't pet him right now. Yeah. Useful tool. Um, anyway, dicing with death. We just had another fantastic recap from Layla and Chris and... I think you are back in the crot with your Yugoloth librarian, your three yes. new apprentices. And let me find some background music for us while you tell us what you're up to. Well, um, Devon has it in his mind to explore and master the elemental planes. So there is more research to be done in, in that department. Mm -hmm. um, and we also need to uh, replace the two-headed troll that we uh, sacrificed to get this Yugoloth. Mm -hmm. So there's at least a couple things on our to-do list. Um, I think Devon's wizard tower is maybe uh, a little more self-sustaining. Got mm -hmm. apprentices to do things, keep it tidy. Got a Yugoloth to uh, set fire to anyone that tries to steal a book. Mm hmm. So, uh, yeah, Devon is more free to go about his research. Great. Um, has anything happened in Necrot since we left? I think we might have done that. Some of those no. The southern uh, the... folk, right? Yeah, Shelter Bay is under construction. They've got their own serpent to pay homage to. Yeah, it's all good. We've got a mine in the northeast bringing in silver, I think, and mm -hmm. then a copper mine just out of Necrot, um, bringing wealth into the city that I can readily spend on spell research. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Looks like it's all turning up Millhouse. <clears throat> um, so the next spell Devon will be researching, I think, will be Magic Jar. He's trying to devise a way to control elementals. Mm hmm. And so, uh, borrowing the soul of an elemental, or like swapping himself into an elemental's form. Mm-hmm. Is one idea he has. Uh, the spell dominate occurred to me, but I think it only affects persons. And I feel like you're the kind of DM to objectify monsters and uh, as non-people strip, strip them of their personhood. Let's see. Dominate. Domination. Domination. Okay. One person. I think it's similar to it references the charm person spell. So I think if I 
think it only targets things that could be charmed a la charm person. Hmm. Totally actions of any wrong. person. Yeah. There we go. Increased domination. Well, it's the it references the intelligence table in charm person. Shared. I don't know. So, uh, hmm. So that's the thought. You can think about whether this might affect an elemental. I mean, can you use domination on other random monsters? Probably not. Hmm. Well, you definitely couldn't use it on, like, a slime, right? Because a slime isn't a person? Yeah. Sure. Because it definitely calls out personhood. A troll is questionably a person. It's a bipedal humanoid with some level of intelligence and language and social structure and abilities. So I think a troll would might fall under person here. So... I don't know Charm about... person lays out a person as a bipedal humanoid, human, demi-human, or humanoid of man size or smaller. So they mm -hmm. say Temple Fighter could be charmed, but an ogre could not. Domination mm -hmm. doesn't specifically say that it uses the same definition of person, but it seems kind of implied. Well, because there's also Charm Monster, which is just the higher level version of Charm Person, which will affect ogres. Oh, really? Yeah. Has not received direct input. I think an ogre or, or a levels. troll or a titan will, could be affected by domination. Yeah. Yes. But I don't know about an elemental. You can charm. Monster can charm it any living creature. Mm. I could also, I could, I could charm monster on an elemental. Mm -hmm. And they're pretty dumb, so if I get it to succeed, it will last for like a month. Mm -hmm. However, summoning an elemental the old-fashioned way ends after a few rounds. I was planning on experimenting with, like, the soul ripping to see what happens if, uh... If I, uh, magic jar an elemental. Mm-hmm. So we'll get there. I also... I'm wondering about the, uh, the crown of domination. Was that an item you invented? Is that what it was called? Yes, the crown of domination. Helm of yeah, yeah, yeah. Helm it's of the a, Dominator is Dota. <laughs> no, there's a helm of domination item, um, and is I just it a switched real it from item the crown. Or... Okay, it is an actual. Yeah. Right, um, I don't think so. Um, I don't see it, but I made that one up. Maybe it's in like one of the Encyclopedia Magica or something. Yeah. So I may be researching that as well. Um, um, ultimately, 
I think I might want to make some kind of magical item that binds an elemental. So like some sort of like like bracers or like a necklace or like a what do you call like a ring around your neck, like shackles or whatever that you mm-hmm. would strap to an elemental and bind them to your will. But I'd need to be a few levels higher to do that. I'm not seeing a Helm of Domination anywhere, so I don't know where I picked up that item title. Oh, maybe it's an Angban title. Mm. A collar. There you go. Like uh, Either collar or shackles, manacles. A choker of domination? But those will need to be level 12. I could make them like a charged item. So like fill it with enough charm monsters or domination spells that just like it refreshes every month and mm-hmm. when it runs out of charges the creature breaks free. But mm-hmm. That's a pretty um, cool idea. You'd need to be yeah. 12 for that I think. Yeah. 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 And yeah. So that's further down the line. Um so something akin to a crown of domination might also be in the cards. So mm-hmm. I'm interested in that in researching that, but Okay. Yeah. Um so it seemed considering I'm down HP, I think doing some spell research makes sense. Mm-hmm. To research say magic jar. Probably also researching domination, maybe also researching these charm spells. But that might be more akin to just like trying to figure out what they are, not necessarily trying to learn them. That makes sense. I feel like part of magic research is understanding the properties of things and then learning to control them. So we could do like some variant of magic research where it takes a hell of a lot less time. And then you make a a check to see if you can like understand the complications. Most of this is out of character, trying to figure out exactly what these spells Mm. do. Um, charming an elemental is an interesting idea because normally they have that uh, they attempt to break their summoning but Mm -hmm. I feel like if you summoned an elemental and then immediately cast charm monster on it they would probably not try to break free of your control so both of them at the same time, and as long as one is in place, the other is secured in place? Or, like, one is the backup for the other? Just normally when you cast Conjure Elemental, like, every round, there's a 5% Uh or 10% chance that it turns against the the summoner. Right, but if you charm it, it's charmed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, I think Magic Jar is what we're researching, but considering mm-hmm. all of these things. Uh, so a, ten, a fifth level spell will take 10 weeks. I only need like one week to gain my HP back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making a golem would be cool, but I f- think those take like 18th level wizards. Oh, I do want to make some scrolls for my apprentices. 
And I wanted to get remove curse as well in case I accidentally go insane. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think I've researched yet. Lowest level golem, wizard level 14. Which one is that? Uh, guardian golems, glass golems, flesh golems, necropedious golems. That's snake thing. Yes. Necrophidious. Well done. Um, spell magic. And I need to research remove curse. Okay. So we've got months of spell research to do. Mm-hmm. However, finding a troll is probably the first thing. Do scrolls take one day per level or one I think it's one day per spell level so I would like to create some scrolls of dispel magic and some scrolls of remove curse and leave them around Mm -hmm. in case I'm incapacitated and my uh, my apprentices need to save me Inscribing a spell onto a scroll takes one day per spell level, while creating a protection scroll takes one full week. Yeah. So, a couple scrolls, a golem, not a golem, uh, a troll, and then into the research? I think so. Okay. I don't have the remove curse, so let's see about making dispel magic scrolls. Any, uh... Any thoughts on what items I will need? Dispel magic is a third level spell. Mm-hmm. And third level spells, when turned into scrolls, you'll need process and materials. Uh, one rare ingredient is the lowest requirement possible. Okay. Um, and let me just double check the definition of rare ingredient. Uh, difficult to find or more expensive a particular type or grade of silk diamonds, rock feathers, ebony uh, wizard's bones, iron smelted by a master and dwarven smith would be rare okay so not a problem it just needs to be related to the spell being cast does it need to be at all dispelly magic-y yeah so something dispel magic-y would be something that interacts with magic that would like block it or prevent it or nullify it so something Like silver and lead are are common. Oh, silver is easy. So we've been talking about those tablets as scrolls. So I think, how does a silver tablet with like the scroll etched in it sound? That sounds perfect. I was going to say lead, but if silver stops magic too, doesn't it? Yeah. And we've got this newfound silver mine. So yeah, so we'll make silver tablets of dispel magic, of magic dispelling. That sounds great. And uses his... uh, disintegration hands to like etch the scroll in so that's why this takes three days each right because mm-hmm. you're sitting there get, very carefully smith to like hammer out these sheets of uh of silver mm-hmm. and a scroll is typically one page per spell level or one to two pages per spell level or the 1d6 plus spell level minus one or something like that I should probably just stop closing the page on scroll creation. Process and materials. 
scrolls require three components of paper, blah, blah, okay, so the paper, or whatever. It does not say a number, I think it's just one page for a scroll. Really? Hmm. It's typically a spell is a number of pages, some number of pages. Mm-hmm. How many pages in a spell book? Yeah, but I think scrolls Each are spell requires special. a number of pages zero to f zero equal to, five. to its level plus zero to five. <laughs> but but that's for inscribing that's for it uh, as okay. like um, repository, so. it and it doesn't take longer to read different scrolls. So I guess it's just like an eight and a half by eleven hammered sheet of silver with like. Mm -hmm magic runes carved in as like negative space into the mm -hmm. uh, into the scroll um what is the chance of success uh, oh. let's see 80 percent plus one per level minus one per spell level so 89 percent minus so 86 percent is there mm -hmm. any bonus or penalty for int or anything like that um for paper type there's a mm. bonus or penalty but that's it um, okay. If the character fails the success check, the scroll he is currently inscribing fails, and he may not add any more spells to that scroll. But any spells previously placed on the scroll remain intact and may still be used. So there, there's this concept in D and D. Just to like do a little side chat about mm -hmm. multiple spells on single scrolls, and I've never understood why you would put multiple spells on a single scroll instead of just having multiple scrolls. I don't understand either. But okay, cool. It's a, it's definitely a thing. I mean, I can see, like, finding them in... Tre like, treasure tables are often, like, you get a scroll with a randomized number of spells on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can save paper that way. Like, you need one sheet of paper can fit as many scrolls as you can fit until you fail one or something like that. I suppose, but at the point where you're making scrolls, paper is not a significant cost. No, no. So I don't know. Maybe it's just like easier to store. You can roll it yeah. all up in one big thing, and you can put it all in one scroll case rather than because if you got ten scrolls, you can't fit that all in one scroll case. The volume is too great. Maybe it's a space-saving yeah. technique. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was my second thought. Is like the scroll case kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I think if we were doing a Dispel Magic scroll on paper, making like an ink out of silver would probably mm -hmm. be a cool way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I'm going to use silver paper, paper itself, which will be more durable, right? That's not going to get destroyed or anything like that very easily. I guess right. it could be melted in extreme circumstances or like mm -hmm. etched away in some crazy acid, but... Maybe awkwardly folded, but, you know... Yeah, I don't... I was imagining it being like a stone tablet. Well, now it's a silver tablet. Mm -hmm. uh, so it stays a sheet. But I could also, see, like, it's probably the consistency of, like, aluminum foil, like, tin foil. Mm -hmm. But maybe, so, like, like, thick aluminum foil so it doesn't bend yeah. quite so easily. Yeah, but you're not going to want to be folding it and unfolding it, right? It'll be, right. like, a, it'll, and it'll probably be labeled with, like, Dispel Magic on it. Right. In plain English so that my apprentices know what to do. Mm -hmm. And probably like lined with like maybe like wood, a frame Ooh. like on the top and bottom, just so it's like easier to 
roll like you roll the sheet of silver around like a wood bar. It's not necessarily part of the magic, but it's like oh, oh yeah, yeah, wood bar rolling. Right, yeah, just yeah, yeah. rather than having to like grab the edge of a sharp metal foil, being able to like grab a piece of wood and un- unroll it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably um, gives it something easier to grip when you're carrying it too. Yeah, typically I would need to cast a or not cast or like there's a chance that the scroll is cursed right yes uh, on a roll of 95 or above or above 95 percent dm should check in secret since a natural 96 yeah, or higher on the scroll creates a cursed scroll the creator of the scroll has no idea his work is flawed until he tries to use that particular scroll or you cast a detect or identify right correct there's no way to detect curses, is there? Other than identify? I don't think so. That would make curses uh, a lot easier to get around. Yeah. I think we can invent a detect curse spell, but mm-hmm. another time. Um, all right, I probably won't actually bother identifying it, will I? You can also remove curse, which destroys the... Sc- okay, so eventually I'll learn remove curse. Ooh, and I think there is something about a fancy quill. My fancy quill is my uh, finger. It's my finger. Right, we had already talked about, like, that's kind of a rare technique or something like that. And we decided that it, because normally you just use a regular old quill. Sometimes a fancy quill can be considered a rare ingredient or a rare process or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily require a special quill in and of itself. That mm-hmm. was just listed as, yeah. Yeah, the lesser disintegration. So I suppose you can roll this in secret. Yeah. It takes three days each. So maybe let's try for three scrolls of dispel magic. And your okay, chance is can't 86. Just be in- Ordinary goose quill. It must be from a strange or magical creature, perhaps one appropriate to the nature of the spell. The task of gathering the right quill can be an adventure in itself. Quills handpicked by the wizard himself increase the chance of success by 5%. Um, I don't think we're bothering with that in this case. It seems a little metagamey, or not metagamey. Seems a little cheap to be calling my uh, lesser disintegration hand a handpicked quill. <laughs> I think using that to bypass the need for tracking down a quill. Yeah. Yeah. Seems fair enough. I actually can't find that passage in the Spells and Magic. Is that an old um, DMG one? I don't know. Someone linked it in. Yeah, it's probably DMG scroll creation or something. Okay. But anyways, so 86% chance making three of them. Excellent how good my poker face is. Cool. And I will inform my uh, my apprentices and such. Uh, Yep. I'm sure they are, you know, observing the process of the metal being hammered out and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to stay quiet in the background while you cast to spell magic into the scroll by inscribing it with your finger mm-hmm. 
oohing and aahing and taking notes and talking amongst themselves and then badgering you with questions when your work is done. He's done. Yeah. I think uh, Heifer probably makes the silver foil for me. Mm -hmm. And then I spend probably my fourth level spell slots. I guess I don't have spell slots, but MP etching the, uh, the correct runes in with my finger tip of my uh, pinky or something like that mm -hmm. and then cast the spell in like enchanting the runes that have already been, been uh, drawn been etched nice and these are placed in the library for my apprentices to uh, make use of should the need arise I warn them that it is risky but in an emergency they are uh, able to use these scrolls Right, and there's a chance of failure if you can't cast that spell level yet. So, yes, yes. But like, if in the event that I become in the event of emergency, break glass to cast a spell magic. Yep. <clears throat> Pardon me. Okay, so that was like nine days. I should be healed to full by the end of that. Mm hmm. And I think we will go troll hunting. Mm. Mm -hmm. so back to the brackish fen to look for another two-headed troll or do you just need so, yeah. a regular troll a regular troll would probably do i think i need a two-headed troll for my trollish regeneration and for my health potions probably I've been using the blood of a two-headed troll for that stuff mm -hmm. so two-headed would probably work but uh, just a regular troll heart would replace uh, replace would, would do to repair the blood fountain and uh, avoid any uh, vengeance from Kronos mm -hmm. so um, I will inform my apprentices that I'm going troll hunting and ask if any of the three would like to uh, attend. Oh boy. So you guys had just spent some time out in the Brackish Fen. Two of your apprentices were sort of horrified by the experience and one of them was thrilled by it. I believe it was um, a soy? Soy is yes. Yes. She is our tiny little ninja wizard. She might oh. it says wizard, but she might actually be multi-classing, dual classing, or something like that. Mm. Let's see. Um Oh yeah. Five nine eighty eight pounds. Tiny little person. She's got that fifteen decks, and I've been training her in martial arts as well. Mm -hmm. um, can I roll? I don't know exactly what Cassandra and Moff are doing. Soy has been doing spell research. She's had a week, so I would like to roll to see if she has mastered any of the elemental fists yet. Ooh. Yeah. Um, what is the chance to research a spell? It is 20-something plus blah, 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 blah. Yep, that's about it. Uh, uh, success 
10% plus one per point of relevant attribute or ability score, plus one percent so. per experience level, minus two per spell level. So if she's so. first level so with 20. 16 in, so it would be 26, 27, yeah. minus no. two per level. 36, 37. No, it's right. 10% plus one per stat. Oh, 10, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's, okay, so 25%. That's if she wants to just do it after one week. Um, yeah, but you might not. Do. It's only been a week. Okay. Cool. Yeah, but if, you... if she critically fails, then maybe she'll come around to my way of thinking and realizing that chill touch is indeed an elemental. Uh... Hmm. Yeah. So, so, which one are you doing first? Um. Do you have any thoughts on which of the elements she is starting with? Air, earth, fire, water. Um. Earth. I Earth. think for so, her, you guys are in the Red Hills. It's warm. There's not a lot yeah. of water. There's plenty of air, but there's a lot of Earth. And you're doing mining. You're, like, pulling towers out of the Earth itself. Yeah. Did I say that I forced her to research this? Or I think I, I didn't just give her my spell book and say, here is Fist of Stone. Learn it. We're going to yes. do it. I think you were trying to get her to research it the hard no way. Success. Okay. So she does not have Fist of Stone yet. Okay. Has she had more than... So we just passed nine days. There wasn't any prior research. I don't think so. Okay, we'll just we'll start going from here. Does she have any spells? She has I'm detect sure magic came... and read magic to That's start. Yeah. Okay. Um. okay. So... Mm-hmm. Boop. Okay. So Asoy and Devon will head into the Brackish Fen. Um, I will I will armor her mm. let's do that mm-hmm. let's I believe you still see. have plenty of blessed leather so armor is not a problem so we periodically look into getting blessed leather and let's see what I got up written on my sheet right now I'm not seeing any Well, we have been doing a lot of, like, skipping around. I doubt all of your components are actually written down. And we're kind of... we've been pretty... Yeah. You have a good relation with the cleric of Velthara who has been... Do I? I'm inclined to say we do not have our armor spells right now. I'm inclined to say that this quest is to regain Kronos' favor and get... uh, All right, uh, then. Get our armor spells. I dig it. So we're going to go into this with shit AC. Um, uh, have slightly more MP as a result, but um, and I think I'll probably just use Cornus uh... doesn't hate us, but he's a little irritated that I dismantled his blood fountain. Mm-hmm. Clerics of vengeance tend to be ill-tempered. That's also just a, a trait they generally have. Not sure why. Maybe it's all the vengeance. But, uh... Yeah. Maybe it's that amulet that of uh, Velthara that, like, emanates an aura of grudge that just increases the um, animosity between people. Maybe living within that aura over long periods of time makes you kind of prickly. Mm-hmm. 
So, here we go. Uh, she carries rations for for me, for us. Excellent. Tiny and, wizard with her 12 mm-hmm. strength, hauling all the food. I mean, what other gear does she have? Literally nothing. She probably has clothes. Yes, she must have clothes. And uh, a walking uh, stick. Yeah. Maybe a... Yeah. She used a, a dagger to stab the troll in the back, I believe, right? Oh, she did. So was she, that her or was that... That was, was that definitely her. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she must at least have a dagger, and I think a dagger as a weapon proficiency at this point, yeah. for certain. I'll, I'll convert her. I'll show her the ways of the uh, Ultra Staff. The Ultra Staff. Nice. So. Off we go. Um, I don't, we probably don't need to make any encounter checks. Nope, the Red Hills these days are pretty tame. The biggest threat around would be the Giants, and all the Giants have sort of fallen into the Giants. I'm looking at this Mm -hmm. map, it almost looks like the Giants are forming a protective perimeter around the Red Hills. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say they are, they like serve uh, me or anything of that nature, but uh, we were on friendly terms with them. Mm -hmm. And And by their sheer presence, they keep away uh, unwanted. Exactly. And that goodwill probably goes to at least the people of Necrot, maybe humans in general. Maybe they see all of these people of the Red Hills as Necrot's, uh, or sorry, as Devon's, um, Devon's people. Devon's the city-state of Necrot has grown in power and influence enough that it might be reasonable to say all of these villages are under your sway. You clearly don't exert taxes upon them or necessarily um, dictate what their their course of action but They're, it's sort of one of those like economic situations where you're the biggest power around and the biggest ally around so you know they do when, pay taxes to trade in the crotch and yes. I believe we had some arrangement with Shelter Bay where we were getting a cut of the trade that comes in and out of there I don't remember exactly what the terms were I don't think Devon really cares either Mm-hmm. He's got his mother-in-law, Master of Coin, doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was something like ten percent or something like that. And like the raiders are also are getting ten percent for like allowing trade in Shelter Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and because most of the trade is getting funneled through Shelter Bay and through Necrot, where we are getting some taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, you're right. And I don't know that the vision for this land is for Necrot to rule over these other cities. I think having a collection of independent city-states is probably more in line with our philosophy and stuff. What are you smirking at? Everything. Nothing. Flirting with chat. You know me. I love to flirt with chat when I actually remember that they exist. (laughs) Your your dexterity is so low, you're going to you're gonna trip over yourself clumsy flirting yeah did you really get a 17 wisdom today I did Mm -hmm. 5 dex 17 whiz I'm pretty happy 6 charisma nice yeah I'm wise enough to know that if I try and flirt with chat it's not gonna work and I'm gonna fall on my face so I'll just pay Mm. attention to Dyson with death nice Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think by the end of today Devon and Asoy make their way to Grecos okay 
boop, boop, boop. Nope, you already moved the thing. Um, mm-hmm. Arriving in Grecos. It is more or less chill. People are eager to see Devon show up in Grecos, though. And an impromptu celebration is held. Not really like, you know, anything too fancy. It's been, it's but... been like a week since we were here last, but sure. Yeah, but you... Maybe they're just glad to see me without a monster in tow. I think last time we came trudging through with that freaky frog demon. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit bizarre. Uh, but also, it behooves them to celebrate your arrival. They they want to be in Devon's good graces. So when the great Devon comes through, uh, celebrations in minor forms are had. Like there's a you know a big public dinner that's held. You don't have to necessarily attend, but there are lights and you know singing and dancing, and people sort of take the the rest of the day off. Um, and there's a you know a small little local festival going on. We enjoy food and drink and mm-hmm. their hospitality mm-hmm. before moving on the next day. Is all well in Grecos? All is well. Because they, okay, they yes. Um, there is a little bit of bittersweet, not even bittersweet, just sort of, um, what do you call it? Uh, jealousy or envy or something that... Platos, which has become this semi-revered figure in Necrot, was theirs originally, and then... They angered he, him, and he cursed them, but they how yes. quick they are to forget that. And Yes, and Devon came and saved them from their river turning to blood. Mm-hmm. And now that it's been a couple years, it's sort of like, oh, Platos originally came from here. This is the home, the original home of Platos, and you can sort of like hear that yeah. conversation and there's a little shrine where the original shrine of Platos yeah. was and there's definitely the selective memory of the people um, coming into force yeah maybe some bitterness that Devon took Platos from them mm-hmm. forgotten the original uh, mm-hmm. original terms I think it's fine as long as Devon is in power but if he ever like moves on they may uh, they may We'll see. Yeah. Try to get Platos back or like earn his favor once more. Mm. Hmm. And then after Not that, sure what to make of that, but it is yeah. uh, to the marsh, the fen. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think as you approach the fen, it is the perfect time to take our first break. Sure. And we'll come back on the other side as we enter the Brackish Fen looking for a two-headed troll. So mm. see you guys on the other side of a break. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Dicing with Death. Our party is just about to enter the Brackish Fen. Once again, <clears throat> into the swamp. Mm-hmm. Um... I believe we spent most of the day walking. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's see how much movement we have left. So maybe we can get lucky and roll one encounter in the swamp, but... 10, 17... Can't move in the swamp, but I guess we're just going into the swamp. I don't think we want to actually like end the day in the swamp. Um... So we'll probably skirt the edge of the swamp and make camp in the woods. 
Maybe heading... I don't know. You are in luck. In this direction, or maybe just wandering back and forth along the edge of the swamp in this hex. Yeah. You are in luck. My encounter table says there's only a 5% chance of running into a two-headed troll, and you've rolled a 7% chance, which means you do not see a troll, but you see signs of recent troll passage. Uh, there is a, a quarter of a deer that is stuck in a tree, and not in like, you know, a creature dragged it up here and ate it, but like part of it's a, like a haunch that is impaled on a, a broken tree branch maybe 15 feet up that looks like it was tossed there somehow. Um, Yikes. And then looking around in the area nearby, in the soft earth, you can see the large imprint of a heavy troll. You assume to be two-headed. In theory, it could be one-headed. Yeah, I don't have uh, tracking, but I think my folklore like is enough to like recognize the troll feet. Mm-hmm. And like the disregard for life, mm-hmm. and trolls love deer, so mm-hmm. you put all that together. Um, landmark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no tracking. So maybe I'll roll like a half my whiz with map monster penalties to see if I can follow the trail a little ways. I think that's great. And then if that doesn't seem fruitful, I will go for, I'll maybe like do my clairvoyance or something. No. Mm-hmm. So I think like I find like the the scene of the struggle here or whatever, like clearly a troll was eating a deer, but I can't figure out where the uh, where the tracks go. Mm-hmm. Uh, just they go sort of into the water and then you quickly lose mm. them. Um, and in theory, you could follow them, but it's just like wading through the water is such a pain in the ass. And trolls are so big that it makes it much easier for them to move on through. Yeah. So I cast my uh, crystal ball, which transforms into an eyeball. Yes. And uh, it goes hovering over the swamp in the general direction that the footprints disappeared. Yes. And we go looking for trolls. With the clairvoyant spell, which can move over water way faster than you can, uh, does it have your same movement rate? Does it say? does not dictate a movement rate twice the caster's movement rate ah there we go then we can't run or anything but moves at 20 movement rate 24 mm-hmm. so the 20, 240 feet or 240 yards 240 yards uh-huh. uh, with Zoom. the clairvoyance you can make another check this will allow you to move cover a larger area more quickly but it does have sort of a, a limited vision I think you can see like only 120 feet um, so you can we're follow still the using tracks. Half, a we're using half my will. Well, yeah, roll a twelve. We're using half my will, it's a failure. Yes. Um, so you can see that the tracks do head. Obviously, um, 
into the swamp, um, but they don't head directly in the direction uh, that your walkways are. It actually mm-hmm. angles a little bit closer to this, a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, westward. Yeah. So you can't follow so, uh, it for more than maybe uh, 500 feet or so, but it does appear to be heading towards the sea. I will... I guess I'll bring the uh, eyeball back. Well, I mean, I've cast the spell. I might as well keep it going. Now that... So I mm-hmm. will I will scout around with the mm-hmm. floating eye for a while and see if I happen upon any caves or anything. Do I know where trolls reside? Is that this folklore of the skill that seems like it'd be associated with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me that folklore check. Oh, no. So I think with this, you have sort of conflicting reports. The trolls you know about the most about are the ones in the Red Hills, and uh, when it comes to swamp trolls, you feel uncertain that the trolls like to live in caves really applies here because the swamp probably doesn't have a lot in the way of caves. The, the Brackish Fen is brackish because it's just about at sea level. So while it does get plenty of water from that northward river, it's also like mixed with all this other stuff. And so the ground never really raises that high because it's all just about, I guess you should say it's at sea level because it's um, the, the ground doesn't go that high. So there's not a lot in the way of caves about. Yeah, so I look around maybe a thicket or like a cluster of bushes mm-hmm. that it might wait in. Maybe a big pool. A bridge that it could live under? Yeah, I'm not really mm. sure what I'm looking for. So I guess barring tracking the troll and sort of scouting around for somewhere that a troll might want to live. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Okay. So next couple of days, we'll just be looking around for a troll. No, it'll be hours, right? Is that what you said? Uh, I was saying days, like it would take a few days to search the swamp. Did you no, have a what? more immediate This plan? is a clairvoyance spell. This only lasts concentration. I'm not going to spend days okay. seeing through a floating eye. No, I will be scouting around a couple of miles into the swamp here, looking looking to see if I see anywhere that looks promising as like a troll hideaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do find some thickets, but uh, once you get your little crystal ball eye in there, yeah, you find not but like sleeping raccoons and skunks. Um, then I will roll up, take off my shoes and roll up my feet, I think. Take the deer haunches. This is probably like right at the end of the day. I'll tell my apprentice to start making camp as I, uh, as a latch latch stitch effort this evening, I will wade into the uh, fan waving around the deer haunches, shouting here, trolley, 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 here, trolley, trolley, trolley. Did I say I roll up my feet? You did. I gird my loins, I hike up my robes, and uh, head on in. Excellent. You wade into the swamp, a soy following behind you. At a, she doesn't maybe... come in. I told her to make okay. camp, so I think she waits on the shore. Cool. Unless she really wants to wade into the into the swamp. Mm-hmm. You call out to the troll with your, your taunting voice as a soy makes camp.
you see a gator or a croc of some kind sunbathing on one of the dry patches of land. But that's about that it. Draws this to a close as mm-hmm. I return to shore, avoiding the gator. Mm-hmm. So he's made camp. That's done. She's done all right. Uh, I guess um, she brought a tinderbox with her, so easy enough to build a fire. Easy enough to move some brush around to make some sort of shelter from the wind and some sort of cover from natural predators. I'll see if the troll's hideaway is considered a landmark, if it is immovable. Mm. And I will pull the gators of the swamp to be within one mile. So maybe a few land creatures as well. If uh, for the location of the... of the troll's lair. Does say creatures and not people. Yeah. It'd have to be a landmark in the creature's mind though. And I have to word it properly ish, right? So like Mm -hmm. the troll's lair has to be a has to be a location. Mm-hmm. I think creatures are territorial and they understand the concept of my territory, your territory. That is pretty basic level instincts. My cat has that level of instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, I do yeah. believe the other creatures of the swamp probably have that level of instinct as well. And a troll's hideaway is definitely the sort of place that they would want to stay away from. So I think you can get a returned location. I think, it just, I think it's a direction, right? Like, right. Me. I don't think it gives you distance. It just gives you relative direction. Yeah, so you have to, like, recast it to triangulate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or just beeline it that direction. Right. Uh, so the direction that you get is west northwest. Can you draw a line? Somewhere like this. Okay. Um. Before bed, maybe. Uh, I'll wait for morning, I think. So I think we'll camp here, we'll rest. I'll see if I can gain some NP. And in the morning, I think I'm going to try and fabricate us a little raft to uh, pull through the swamp on. Yeah, fabricate's the perfect spell for that. You can make out of the nearby wood an easy raft or a small boat or something. Yeah, but I think I'll rest first, just in case a gator tries to eat my raft in our sleep. Um, I can get good sleep as long as as long as it's dry. I think I can attempt to regain MP if it like rains on us or something. But next to a fire with food and water, I think I can uh, mm-hmm. regain some MP while camping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be good sleep. Mm-hmm. So you'd be active and good sleep. So you just get one die. Uh, is the night uneventful? The we camp several hundred feet from the swamp, probably like on the slope leading into the swamp. 
the first half of the night is fairly uneventful. You get woken up partway through the night by your apprentice who has heard some like strange shriekings coming from the swamp. Uh, make me a, f- a uh, what do you call it? Folklore check, please. Sure. You're not sure what it is. You hear it again. It sounds like this. I'm just gonna move the mic away because it's gonna be a little loud. Okay. Ah! Coming from deep in the swamp, and then it like goes quiet again. We'll wait, and if it doesn't get closer, we'll ignore it. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, I'll stay awake for a few minutes and few minutes pass it doesn't come up again you you snuggle back down to go to sleep and a few minutes you know 20 minutes later she shakes you awake again because it she hears the sound one more time and you can see like she's standing with her dagger out near the fire is it, eyes wide. Is it getting closer closer no it's just sort of this weird noise out from the middle of the swamp well rouse me if it gets uh if it gets closer okay the rest of the night passes uneventfully. Uh, Asoy doesn't get much sleep. The, the strange noises of the swamp bring back memories of the monsters that she fought there before, leaping on their backs. And, uh, yeah. She'll be a little groggy the next day. But that is the life of an apprentice. She doesn't actually need any MP. How am I doing? Eight. Better than nothing. Brings me to 57, and then I think I need to spend 25 to fabricate a boat. A raft, I think. And I fabricate a raft, and we head north by northwest. Excellent. I assume you can fabricate a pole with your raft, or at least find uh, something to pull you by, since rowing is maybe a little awkward. Yeah, I will Mm -hmm. be pulling. Um, Is my staff insufficient? Oh, your staff would work well. Yeah. Occasionally, I don't know how long your staff is, but occasionally you might find that it's uh, the water's a little deep here, but you can sort of poke around it and make if do I, with your staff. If I find a bigger stick, that sounds great. Mm. Bigger um, stick Fabricate diplomacy. actually doesn't say... Um, I could fabricate a pole, better pole as well. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't say that it needs to be one thing, right? Ooh. It's like the AoE is a cubic foot, so like creating a raft and a stick... As long as you have a number of enough rounds to do so. Yeah, I assume that you could turn a tree just into planks of wood that are each individually separate. Well, I'm turning a I'm turning trees into a raft. Right, but that means you could turn a tree into a raft Maybe. and a pole. Yeah. Yeah. A ten foot pole. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can ten foot pole your way through the swamp in that direction the course of the day you will see some of those crocodilians out in the water um, they don't seem to bother the raft too much most of the time they spend just sunbathing or, or floating on the surface doing their amalog impression and let's 
You are heading out this direction. With a raft on the water, you can go quite a bit faster than the walking rate through the Maybe, swamp. Maybe, assuming that there's waterways. I feel like, yes. I still feel like swamp movement rates would apply. Like, just because I can, because I'm going to be like taking a weaving path, won't I? You will. Unless it's You will be slower than walking on flat land, but faster than having to pick your way through a swamp, I think. Because, okay. yeah, you're, you're not like filling your boots up with water. You're not getting stuck in yeah. the mud. You're not having to scout locations. You can just kind of continually, gently pull yourself. Maybe it's a little like 50% faster or something. So maybe I can go two hexes instead of one or something like that without yeah, force marching. I think so. Kind of wind up heading up this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't come across the troll on this day, but you do come across a special anomaly. Um, you find a, like a hill where there is a creek running from the swamp, like up the hill. And it's not a big hill. It's maybe like, you know, five feet across left to right. But water runs up one side of the hill and then down the other side of the hill from the swamp, just, you know, feeding back into itself. Yeah, I think we land up this hill. Maybe it's late enough in the day that we're thinking about resting. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this, Asoy? She eagerly casts one of her two spells. Um, detect magic. Wah! Uh, will gaze at the area, cock her head awkwardly to the side, and say, I have no idea. There's sort of magic in the region, but it's not defined. It's it's not one school. It's, um... I don't know what it is. Can... She doesn't have a... Did she fail to figure out the school? No, she rolled a, a 10 on a... Or she rolled a 1 on a d10. Really? So yeah. She, okay. What, uh... How powerful is it? It is... Uh... It is faint. Dim, faint, moderate, strong, overwhelming. Yeah. Is the water magic? Or is perhaps something about this, uh space enchanted it's not the water she says confidently I can see that the magic emanates from the hill itself I've stepped onto the land I like pick up the dirt and like run it through my fingers um, feels pretty looking annoying. like I'm like studying it or thinking deeply when I really don't know what I'm doing mm, but maybe classic. it will trigger to her trigger her to be like is it the earth itself or is it something underneath the earth I don't know she takes a few moments and then confidently says to you, we should dig up the hill. I don't know if it needs to be done today, but we should dig. Maybe there's something under here changing this. I, I get magic coming from the mound, but maybe it's actually something under the mound. I believe, I believe my magic will detect things up to uh, three feet, so there could be something buried here. I do my arcanology. And uh, I think I'm qualified to like uh, undertake a, uh, a a dig, an expedition, if you will. What would you call it? 
archaeology, archaeology, same, same. So I'm like in, <laughs> investigating the site to be like, is this a a site of some ancient magic, right? Did a wizard do something here that left its mark? Do I see any signs of that? Mm -hmm. Or does this seem natural? I could also do a spell craft to identify the spell, but it seems, I don't know. Yeah. What does my archaeological training tell me? Your archaeological training tells you that... Um, this is probably not related to a site of some former wizard. The most important, most powerful wizard of the area, you've already found their lair, um, their their workshop, which is kind of near to this spot, but definitely not here. And it wouldn't make sense to have like a small little mound near the workshop where there's some sort of magical effect. So either this is a like um, an unknown effect or there is something buried here. I nod thoughtfully. Does this seem like a safe enough place to uh, sleep? The area is not large enough for you guys to sleep. The safety seems more or less the same as everything else around here. But the the surface area of the land is not large enough for the two of you to comfortably sleep here. Well... Three feet's not all that deep. Mm-hmm. Digging time? Side Digging quest? time. Yes, yes. I, uh... I, I think Devon gets to digging. Okay. And, uh, perhaps while over the course of the work, he will have some insight into, like, conserving magical energies sometimes it's uh easier to just do things the old-fashioned way especially when you're uh, out in the field and uh you might need your magic for a fireball or something if a troll comes along mm-hmm. so uh digging and digging yeah sometimes you just gotta dig dig a diggity dig yeah sometimes you do have to dig dig diggity dig Come so you as, yeah strong and young and fit so he uh digs um now the creek runs up and over the mound do you want to dig like where the water flows or do you want to dig on the side of the water flow um i will use my best judgment so like i might tunnel in from the side to like Mm -hmm. see if i could so i'll try and triangulate like three feet like one to three feet down is my guess as to whatever the source of this anomaly is if it seems like it's easiest to dig through the like the the creek bed mm-hmm. i might do that if it's like rocky or if something else seems to get in my way i may come in from the side and like try to like dig in underneath the river mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. so i don't know if you want me to roll something too i think it makes the most sense to I don't know. Just pick one. 
um what's the bottom of the river like is it is it rocky or is it just like silt or like it's there's a little bit of rock on it um and then it, it's sort of how do you say so that it's an earthen mound coming out of the swamp the creek mm-hmm. runs up and over it kind of creating a little bit of a trench and in the trench mm-hmm. you can see some rocks and some gravel okay so i'll, I'll come in from the side through okay. like the sandy mound i want i may bump into sand and rocks once i get in a foot or so but i start doing it pull my mm-hmm. roll my sleeves up and just dig with my hands um i'm careful not to like cut myself or anything but i just sort of scoop earth away use the butt of my uh, staff to clear a little bit away, mm-hmm. pull out rocks, and, uh, yeah, use the rest of the afternoon to dig. You can dig in, and as you get maybe a foot underground or so, the magic effect just stops, and the water just drains to the sides and stops flowing up and over. It just sort of... Wait, wait I, br- I break the magic or something, and the... Uh, something like that, the, yeah. And the water spills down. Mm-hmm. Huh. I step back. Do you have the energy for another spell? She does. She only took detect magics. Did not think she would need a read magic out here. So she's, she's second level. She has. I two think speed. after two the speed. encounter in the yeah. other place, she leveled up once. So Did she'll throw down it? another detect magic and look around, and sure enough, the magical effect is gone. Hmm. Intriguing. I like wipe my hands off. What do you make of this? Do you have a theory? Mm. She sits in rugged contemplation and kills her intelligence check. What is her base int? I think it's like 16. Yeah. So she rolls a 35 on her intelligence check and comes up with a real good so, idea. So I think maybe even not, maybe that's like a non-proficient spellcraft check or something. Mm-hmm. Which I could, I could have rolled myself with proficiency, but she's got to learn. Magic takes energy to reshape the world around us. But as we, as I understand it, there is a certain finite amount of this energy somewhere out there in one form or another. We might burn wood to create heat, but we destroyed the wood in the process. Magical energy must have a source. Maybe this is some sort of byproduct of magic being cast in the area or magic being cast... Um, nearby, and this has been a either a, a, a draining of energy that allows the water to flow up instead of down, or a, uh, a transplanting of energy. Like when you burn fire, or burn wood, you create heat, but also smoke comes out as a side effect. Maybe this is a, a side effect of magic being cast elsewhere, or being cast here. Get a sense where we are. This spot? What do you mean? Devon points like northeast. Drexel's workshop is uh, maybe five miles that way. Oh! I suspect 
great powers were encanted here in the past. Or maybe this, this place is a represents a thinness between worlds. She bobs her head excitedly. Yes, that could be it. This could be a good site for some arcaning. I like stick my staff in the ground, or perhaps we've disrupted the uh, disrupted the powers and it's gone. Um, from this vantage on top of the hill, I look around to see if I can see any other anomalies, any other hills or anything else that looks uh, out of place. Nope. In eyesight. Everything else seems just to be ordinary swamp. the magic gone? I'll ask one last time. Like, she cast another deck magic and it's not there. It's not there. It's definitely gone. Hmm. Would have been interesting to attempt to harness. I didn't, uh... I suspected something more permanent. Hmm. Next time. Um, I will pull our, uh, raft up onto the island. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's too dangerous to travel at night. Um, I don't expect we'll be getting much rest, but we should probably wait to move until first light. And I think we kind of just like hunker down on the raft on this little sandbar and keep watches. I'm guessing this isn't going to be good sleep, but she yes. can get some rest while I keep watch and stay up most of the night. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, between the ever-present possibility of rolling into the swamp and the increased danger around here, um, sleep will just be... will get you enough rest to function the next day, but not enough to gain MP back. Yeah. Yeah. And no encounters for us, unfortunately. Just, you know, strange noises from the swamp in the distance. But they don't... nothing comes of it. Um, and the next day. Yeah, I think we're heading this mm -hmm. over yonder. Mm -hmm. As you pull about on your boat for the day, you don't come across anything that looks trollish. You don't see it lurking above the waterline or above any of the plants on the horizon. Uh, you can pull into that square up until you get to a point where you can see the ocean and realize you've reached near the end of the swamp uh, without sign of troll nor lair. I'll cast another uh, locate landmark mm. and see if any of the creatures in this within a mile of me Yes. Know the troll. Know the location of the troll. They do, um, and you get a direction that is like this. Okay. How are you feeling, Asoy? Excited. Is Capable. Ready to continue. 
Devon had considered like diverting this way to where there's like a path where there might be a better mm -hmm. spot to camp. Mm -hmm. But I guess instead we're heading here. And Alrighty. looking for the troll. Looking for the troll. And sure enough, you come across big fat troll footprints. Um, maybe half a mile further, you push past some reeds, and there's this big troll footprint. And on this next little dry spot of land, a big troll footprint. Both of them headed northward. Look there. I point to the footprints, and we pull our way north. Yeah. Um... Following these footprints, you find a section where they like trod, trod, trod over a piece of earth and then disappear into the water. And this whole time they've been roughly going straight north and they like go up and over, down into the water. And then as you pull to the next bit of dry land, they don't show up on the other side. And you can pull around and kind of take yeah. a look at some of these dry patches nearby and find that the footprints lead into this area, but do not lead back out. Um, and footprints here don't last a super long time in the marsh. There's enough activity and moisture that, you know, the ground will level itself out pretty quickly. So these footprints can't be more than a week old at most. Hmm. I think we sit and wait on our raft for a bit, hoping to ambush the troll as it comes out. But if like an hour passes, so I think we kind of circle and like try and find a good stable spot. I don't know if there's like a bunch of reeds that we'll pull up against or like a, mm -hmm. a tree that we lean against and kind of wait and, and watch. Mm -hmm. Let's look for any bubbles. Yeah, you do find bubbles. Comes out. Are they pretty you... consistent? Like, does it seem like there's just like a steady stream of bubbles? Or... Mm -mm. No, it's quite inconsistent. You you watch a spot and you see like a whole trickle of bubbles, and mm -hmm. then it stops. And then maybe like 15 minutes later, the same spot produces a bunch of bubbles again. Mm Do you want to? Do you have thoughts? This has been this has been like an hour or so of us kind of pulling around this area. Mm -hmm. I have many thoughts. So I I mean I have a amulet of water breathing. So if I'm feeling insane, I could dive down there. I'm guessing this is like a troll's lair, or like it's an underwater lair or something. I don't know if there's like an underground cave or maybe trolls could just breathe water. I hope it's not an aquatic troll because those things are nasty, if I recall. Hmm. Don't they have some? They're like they've got some like save versus death effect or something horrifying. Scrags, right? Hmm. Yeah, I can't remember what was nasty about them. Maybe they weren't that nasty. I thought there was a kind of troll that had like a 
save versus death style effect or something like that. I can't think of one that does. Yeah. Um, start blasting. What are you going to blast? The troll's house. You're just going to start, like, throwing lightning bolts into the water? Yeah, something like that. MP do I have? Not much. Got one fifth level spell. Mm -hmm. Well, fuck it. We're conjuring a water elemental and sending it down into the troll pit. Um, so I like get some sand. I think I like use the pole to like dig up some silt from the bottom of the swamp. Mm -hmm. Crush it into my fists, scoop up some water, sort of swirl it around and then rising from the water of the fen conjures a water elemental. Excellent. Uh, it is an eight hit die water elemental. I've got one round of controlling it before it starts getting a chance to turn on me. And I send it down into this pool to go uh, choke me out a troll and fish me a troll. <laughs> um, I, how does controlling an elemental work? I don't see through its eyes, right? I just kind of like command it, but it feels kind of like you're like controlling it. You give it an order like it's, you know, a servant in your household and it will yeah. obey it as best as possible. I don't, you don't need to have a language with it. So it must be some sort of like, you yeah. know, thought concept so you can say like go after the troll and it will understand the the yeah, intent of your meaning it's got five to seven intelligence so I, I think it like it can understand that I want it to like choke a troll and drag it up to me alive mm-hmm mm-hmm elemental so so um, it descends into the water. It is of the water. True. Water elemental becomes water. fused with spirit of creature. And um, the elemental will quickly find the troll. You'll see bubbles stir up and water churn in the area. Let's see. Water elementals appear as a high-crested wave. Its arms appear as smaller waves, one thrust out from each side of its body. Arms ebb and flow, growing longer or shorter as the elemental moves. Two orbs of deep green appear out from the front of the wave, serving as its eyes. 
rarely speaks, but their voices is heard. Their voice is heard in the crashing of waves on rocky shores, and the howl of an ocean gale. Strikes. It lashes out with a huge wave-like arm, dealing five to thirty points of damage. Is that five d six. Yeah. Ooh. Most effective in open water. Can do battle on dry land, close to the water. Yeah, but it's basically underwater. Um, I mean, it needs see. a plus two weapon to be hit. If a Which creature it... has six plus two or more hit dice, it can hit as a plus two weapon. Okay, so I think a troll can do damage to the water elemental. I think so. I'm just checking troll hit die right now. Um, I don't. I can. Are you comfortable just describing what's going on underneath the water as if we can see so. it, even though Devon can't? Like I can. Yeah. I can role play Devon's confusion if the troll wins and comes and eats me or something like that. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so the but, the troll the water will... elemental descends into the pool, probably surprising the troll. Like the water elemental becomes the water and then mm-hmm. like lashes out at the troll if it's under there. Mm-hmm. Is the troll is? Can, yeah. De- describe for us what uh what. What we would what we would see if we got a cameraman down there in the troll's lair, is it in like a little? Uh, is it on land or is it completely submerged in the water? It has a underground lair with like a, a dome sort of built into it that serves as an air pocket. That it will mm. uh, how it gets fresh air down there, you're not entirely certain, but it does have like an underwater, like a beaver dam sort of hidden underwater lair. And How so, many feet? I assume the water elemental can get there in one round. Oh, yeah. The entrance to the it. lair is at most like six feet down, and then okay. it like goes over and under and back up again. So it's maybe like 50 feet total from your position. Okay. Um, the water elemental can fight within 60 yards of water, so it's fine. One point of damage is subtracted. Let's see. And one point of damage is subtracted from each die they, of damage they inflict out of water. So it will do 66, wait, five, 5 to 30. 5d6 minus 5 if the troll is on land. If it's within 5 feet of water, I feel like the water elemental could be in water and lash out at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, side. because the part of the entrance to the troll is watery, so it can just yeah. lurk there or like grab the troll and drag it back into the water. Okay. Uh, Would you roll conjure... a surprise? Yeah. Okay. Or if you need to familiarize yourself more with elementals, go ahead. No, I got it. Um, so it's going to be a D10 minus two for surprise because it's unlikely that the troll would be ready for this. Um, so it is disturbed but ready to defend its lair. So should we roll initiative or is there an ambush round? I think there's an ambush round, but the troll is not surprised. So, would you make so me a, an attack roll? 12. It's an 8 hit die creature. Thacko 12, so, plus 8 to hit. Uh, Thacko 12 is plus 7 eight. hit, or is it plus 8? Plus 8. Okay. Already 20 plus 8 is a 17. I control AC, but I'm pretty certain that's a hit. Two-headed troll, AC 6, uh, 4, so 16. Okay. And so two watery appendages thrust into this poor troll's lair and grab it by the throat. Are we con- we're considering this in contact with water? Yes. So it takes 21 points of damage. Jesus Christ. And the troll has 
10d8 hit points. Uh, and not a good 10d8. Actually, that's a bad 10d8. Um, the napping two-headed troll, disturbed from its slumber, has its legs gripped and is, like, dragged partially into the water, flailing about, grabbing onto the land to slow its uh, descent. Roll initiative. And the elementals are one foot tall per hit die. So this is an eight-foot water elemental. It is a large creature. I think it's a d10 plus five for weapon speed. Uh, d10 plus six. Okay, six. So, so they go, go simultaneously. Time. Yes. The troll reaches into the water and begins its series of shredding attacks at plus nine to hit. And the water wraps around the troll. Oh, there is a 5% chance. Let me roll. Ooh, that. 5% first. Yes, please. No, I don't roll a little bit. No. So, right, so a 17 will hit the troll. Or, uh. C 5v6 is 14, barely enough to wrench the troll into unconsciousness. But does the uh, does the troll take down the water elemental at the same time? Let's see. Uh, I have mm. AC 2. So AC, AC 18. 18. So the first so claw misses. Miss. Second claw hits. Bite hits. And second bite misses. Oh, yeah. So we're uh, doing... Okay. 1d4 plus 4. It'll do 9 damage to the water elemental before being ripped apart. I think the troll, like, grabs part of the water elemental, bites it, and the water elemental, like, flows down into the troll's throat and bursts out from the inside. I think it, like, pulls the troll into the water Mm -hmm. as the troll is suffocated into unconsciousness. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. roll a one the next round, so the water elemental returns to the surface, dragging this unconscious uh, troll with it. Yes. And you know and the so troll think... will regenerate starting in three oh, rounds yeah. after it first takes damage. What are you going to do about this problem? Are you going to get rid of the elemental first, or are you going to disable the troll permanently or semi permanently? The troll will always come back right so that the elemental can like choke it to negative 10 and then it will mm-hmm. can you choke it to like negative 100 and make it take like can you choke it to negative a thousand you make could it take, rip like, it a... into tiny pieces and then it would reform in a certain number of days or weeks or i don't remember the exact time mm-hmm. but you could shred it to pieces and then the largest piece will regenerate into the troll okay um well, so the third round, the uh, elemental will resurface, dragging the troll. I think so from the backtracking two minutes, like Devon and uh, and Asoy are in this raft on the surface, maybe 15 feet from this little pool. Um, Devon is like channeling the water elemental, mm-hmm. controlling it so that it doesn't uh, doesn't turn on him. Mm-hmm. While Asoy is holding the pole and like keeping the raft level, mm-hmm. the water elemental descends, and then I think we see like turbulence, like violent bubbles and splashing coming up from the underground chamber for a few minutes. Um, probably after the first minute, blood starts bubbling up in the water. Mm-hmm. Right, 20, 21 points of damage is a fair bit of blood, right? That's like the blood from one or two adult humans, right? Mm hmm. So the water runs red with blood. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's definitely changing colors as the troll is like floated to the surface by the wave yeah. and then pushed by the wave towards the boat well, and then I the whole the boat wave, like, like shifts yeah. and the wave rises like holding the elemental Devon commands it to hold steady as he says like maintaining concentration but says to Asoy cut out its heart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she have the will to uh, to remove the heart the still beating heart from a two headed troll I think so. I think a soy. Anything, or you just decided is, her person. Personality. I think. Yeah, yeah, we decided her personality when we were rolling for your apprentices, and Moth was the more mousy one who really would just serve better as a librarian or a sage or someone to like help you with research. Oh, and a soy was the eager one who was ready to like. All you've written get for her there. alignment is sarcastic. Were there more personality traits, or is she just sarcastic? Um, I guess sarcastic and eager. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah. So you tell her to rip out the heart of the troll, and there's there's a little bit of timidness to it, but this is what she signed up for. She came to Necrot to study under Devon, the the great sorcerer of the region. One, the great Devon, who's built these mines, built Shelter Bay, you know, pays tributes to these deities who serve him, has a giant that's a, a cleric of Valthara that serves him somewhat. When he tells you to go rip out the heart of a troll, you go rip out the heart of a troll, and, uh, and she will. I mean, it's being held there at this um, by the water elemental. That's probably yeah. become a blood elemental at this point. She will make a dex check to try and get from the boat onto the troll. I think she's on the boat. Like the troll is brought to her, but like that's probably to like steady the boat. Steady the boat like... as she like grabs the troll and tries to like hack it into the heart. And uh, as long as you can maintain control of the elemental, she can do this. But it'll take a while. I don't know how long it takes to exercise a heart. Nine nine minutes. Three. That was. This is the third. third. So we're looking at six more rounds. Let me roll my sixty twenties. Okay, a two is close. I almost the second round probably a wave rocks my concentration. I almost (laughs) lose grip of the of the. Of the um, of the mm-hmm. elemental, but the elemental will stay under my control the entire time. How many rounds does it take her to cut out the troll's heart? Let's see. I think she needs to roll a series of strength checks until um, a series of successful strength checks until they exceed their numbers by a combined twenty points. So, like, if she gets a twenty-one, that's one point. If she gets a, a thirty, that's ten points. It seems like a lot, but I guess we'll see. Oh my god. Are Is you, that a one? That's a <laughs> 20 and then a one. Yeah. Okay, so that was 12. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay. 12 and 6 Let's is 18. So 12 and... Yeah, 18. Long time. Uh, did we say... Devon's how many points did like I say? 30? 30. Oh, God. So that's mm-hmm. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. This is our like, last chance for the elemental disappears. Finally does it. And it's right on cue. Um, yeah. So she saws its heart out. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, it almost, yeah. I, all the while, like, Devon's got to be concentrating, but he's like, can't you do this faster? <laughs> Wishing he had given her more instruction on how to, like, cut through rib bones or, like, a rib mm-hmm. cage before doing this. 
because it's not that easy to cut out a creature's heart, especially like a large two-headed troll. Mm-hmm. Gotta like break your way through the sternum. Probably would have been easier to come up through the end. Maybe she tries going through the sternum. I guess she got a 21st, so she cracked the ribs, no problem. Yeah, and trolls, despite their massive all over strength, her. are also sort of fragile and gangly. Their bones aren't mm-hmm. particularly strong. They're um, much easier to like sever the limb of a troll than any other creature out there. So she can hack it and rip and, out its still and beating like, heart as she pulls out the still beating heart it's the same round that the water elemental dissipates so like which has become just like a wave of blood with two mm. glowing blue eyes but as she pulls out the beating heart the life also leaves the water elemental and the wave just kind of blood wave collapses into the brackish fen and she and will make a like, dex check to stabilize on the boat and Devon she goes is, tumbling into the water, still holding the beating heart. So Devon is done with his concentration at that point. So I think I should get a dex check as well to like yep. stabilize the boat. I mean, she sounds like she's probably... Yeah, because when her, she but... falls out of the boat, it's going to throw the boat out of balance. And you'll have to also make a dex check and you can you can do it. Okay, so Devon like grabs the pole, stabilizes the boat, but a soy like collapses in overboard. Mm-hmm. Um uh strength check or something to fish her back out of it i mean i can breathe underwater i don't think we need to make dice rolls for this there's no omnipresent danger here yeah um she can get back in the boat or you know hold on to the edge and you can pull her to shore probably better that she took a dip because otherwise she was just covered in blood she's probably still pretty bloody yeah Um, and we fish the body of the troll out as well Mm mm-hmm because I was planning to have the elemental dismember it, but it seems like that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> Devon takes like his own dagger and like stakes the troll to the raft. Well, there's someone at my door. Can we take a quick break are, here? Are you sure that's not creaking from here? No, I'm yeah, pretty this sure. Seems like a good, yeah, like a good go. spot to break. If we yeah. were more cinematic, we would have ended like right at the. But anyways, yeah. see you guys on the, on the other side. side. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Dyson with Death. So, troll heart in hand, troll corpse floating on the waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pull the corpse, Devon pulls the corpse onto the boat, mm-hmm. along with his apprentice, and uses his own blade to, like, nail the corpse to the, uh, to the deck, hopefully causing enough, like, damage to, like, keep it from regenerating, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like driving a stake through a creature causes ongoing damage. Maybe I not. feel like if you rip out the heart of a troll, it's probably down until it can regenerate its heart. Okay. Right? That makes sense. Well, what like if you sever the arm, largest piece, meaning I need to make the heart the largest piece. Correct. But like it won't, the troll will not reanimate to be able to kill you until it's regenerated its heart. Okay, which might take more than a few rounds. Yeah, you've done this before. You know that trolls take about a week to regenerate if they are like fully killed and dismembered. Um, the head will regenerate in a week. The heart will okay. regenerate in about a week. So you've got some time now that it's been decardiorized, de decardioed. Yeah, there's die within one day if they cannot rejoin that piece. Fire and acid. Let's see. Limbs unable to reach the body die within 24 hours. Including a head within a week. Okay. So I think if you remove its heart, it doesn't regenerate. Mm hmm. Like it'll, it'll take a week for it to come back. Mm hmm. Some people are calling okay. it heartbroken. 
Mm. It only takes a troll a week to get over its heartbreak. Lucky troll. Some of us never get over it. Um, so where are we going? I think it's probably easiest to walk back. Um, and I think we will push on. I think we'll force force march into the night. Um, no sense in trying unless we see a good spot to camp here in the middle of the swamp. Right? Have we gone? We've only gone one hex, actually. Right? This is the first hex Let's of the day. Yes. Oh no, this is the second hex of the you day. You did this today. You did this. Yeah. So you'll have to find a spot somewhere to um, bunker up. I think ideally, I'll just we'll just pull through the night and try to get to that square, unless mm -hmm. we see somewhere we could set somewhere we could find a shore. Ow. Uh, it is near to the new moon, so do you have a light spell that can guide your way? Devon has Infravision. Oh, well then, never mind. Yes. Well, Infravision, yeah, it's fine. You pull your way to the edge of the swamp. You mean um, were you going to say Infravision doesn't let you see in the dark? No, I was going to say that maybe the distance isn't useful enough for you, but it's no, it's, I mean, it's probably slower going, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe it takes all night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Asoy is like, how does he see where we're going? How is he navigating the ship? Mm -hmm. She probably goes to sleep at some point on the raft next to the troll corpse. What, where is the heart? Is she holding onto it? or She is she holding it, it until you tell her otherwise, like okay. a good apprentice. So she sleeps clutching the troll heart like a teddy bear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's going to be as traumatized as Devon one day. Is Devon traumatized? I think it's the other apprentices that are traumatized. <laughs> Only the strong survive. I feel like Devon was traumatized as um, Atropos's apprentice for a yeah, while. Yeah, and here we are perpetuating the cycles of mm -hmm. abuse. But instead of like creepy petting from your master, it's like, here, sleep with this troll heart for a while. You know, it's a little <laughs> bit more... Um, I don't know. It's better every generation. Yeah. It's just a different method of her apprentices will just have like the creepy like stuffed troll hearts around the house. They won't they won't have to mm -hmm. anyway. They won't have to harvest them themselves. Mm-hmm. She'll like, a few hundred make her years apprentices we'll have... eat weird things as she tests magic on them. Sure, sure. And in a few hundred years, uh maybe there will be some normal uh wizard academies, but for now, creepy witches and warlocks. Mm hmm. So, um, probably nearing dawn, we pull up onto the shore. And. Yeah, you can pull up on the shore. You can rest fire. for the night. Let's see. Probably on into the day. Mm hmm. Do we have. I might need to get creative. Guano and brimstone. Can you start a fire with brimstone? I think I've got to like get lucky. I, I have zero mana. I can't do. 
I can't make any magical fire. Ooh. Um, and I don't have a typical tinderbox. I don't have a fire building proficiency. So I think I need to make like a non-proficient fire building check or something like that and hope that I get lucky. So brimstone is sulfur and sulfur burns. Yeah, but you need like a spark to get it started. They need greater than 200 degrees Celsius to start it. Um, What's-Her-Face has a fire kit, um, a, a tinderbox. Mm-hmm. It's probably soaking wet. It's probably in the boat. The boat might have got soaking wet. I guess the, the tinder and okay. char that's in the tinderbox is dead, but okay, the flint and steel... Tinder. Yeah, like the she can still make sparks with flint and steel. Okay. So it'll be a slow process to make a fire, but it is doable. Okay. Right, my half wisdom doesn't quite work, but... Uh... Using her soggy tinderbox. I mean, we're in... This is the plains. Mm -hmm. so we pull up onto the shore. Get a fire going. Probably by dawn, we've got a fire going. Mm -hmm. Fuel's going to be a little scarce out here. Someone has to keep waiting or pulling back into the swamp to get brush because the, the plains don't have a lot in the way of good firewood. Um, but you can keep a, a little fire going. Enough that you feel comfortable um, staving off monsters in the night. Uh, it's probably dawn by the time we're making camp, right? Oh, we had to force, right then. force march through the swamp mm -hmm. in the dark. Yeah, we mostly are building the fire to dispose of the troll corpse. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, the troll corpse burns. You have to slow feed it into the fire because the fire is not large enough to just toss the whole troll on. So there's more like dismembering knees and like slow cooking this part and then dismembering the thigh and cooking that part and I think it, in this low fire it'll take you better part of a, a day to burn the troll in, in, in its entirety to your satisfaction totally yeah uh, so is free to rest through this or not mm -hmm. watch but I have a feeling she's probably taking taking to this uh a little too heartily yeah she'll bombard you with questions um, about trolls about the magic thing that you saw about the elementals she'll you know inquire about the fire and then she'll rest so that she I can cast Devon, detect magic like, spells gives her a look and is quite terse and as if to like as if to silence her right these are dark tidings or like dark deeds we are doing it doesn't really well, let's let's see if she picks up on the uh, on the subtext. She does not quite. So I think mm -hmm. Devon has to has to tell her like, now is not the time for questions. These are these are dark dark deeds, best done under uh, cover of uh, of night and silence when we have uh, burned away our sins and washed ourselves of blood. And then I can tell you all you wish to know about these foul creatures as he tosses like a troll foot into the into mm -hmm. the fire. Go now, rest. You'll need your strength for the rest of our journey, for, for our journey back. She swallows her tongue. She does not want to piss you off in this context. Sometimes she's willing to be a little bit more sarcastic and pokey at you. Uh, but I think she picks up when when given her those direct orders that this is time to shut the face. 
And I'll so tell her all about trolls and all. Devon's smart enough guy to like make note of the questions she was asking, and she'll get the answers in due time. But it mm-hmm. just, just not today. Drenched in blood and sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stench of murder about us. I, I would prefer silence. Okay. You get your silence. And, yeah, the day passes. Most of the day burning a uh, troll and catching up on sleep. Mm-hmm. She learns to detect magic spells again and promptly uses them on the troll to kind of do her own divinations quietly. You know, how much of the troll is magical, how much magic remains as the troll gets burned, answers those sorts of questions for herself. Yvonne doesn't mention this doesn't mention that he notices but mm-hmm. he fights back his curiosity I don't actually know I bet a troll is a magical creature but it's interesting to see the magic fade as you burn the magic out of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, a couple days pass you guys wake up uh, well I think it's just probably the one day maybe even we like have another awkward nighttime journey unless it makes sense to like rest a day and a night. I think it makes more sense to rest a day and a night than it does okay. to... I'll go ahead and roll to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is rest if we're just hanging out by the fire burning. Mm-hmm. burning it's a restful day, definitely. So, oh, it's just advantage. Yeah. 2d13d1 9... Eh. Better right. than nothing. That's a few, uh, I don't know, a few first level spells. Mm-hmm. And we begin the journey back. Okay. Let me roll for significant encounters. We'll bypass the insignificant ones. No, no. Um, I think Three days board... is enough to get you backed across the Yeah, over well. the boardwalks. I think unless any of them are out... Mm-hmm. We can probably move as if it were a uh, road. Is this a, does it qualify as a road, or at least as a at least as planes? Planes, yeah, yeah. What is... Planes allow you to move four in a day, so you can essentially get all the way across. One. Oh, I guess uh, you need five to get all the way across, so yeah. you can force march. Um, I think we stay over in Drexel's workshop. Ooh, okay. Um, is there any? Is there a? There were the quarters were beneath. Mm-hmm. Where they we? I cleared out the like frost mold. Is there any? Uh, anything else in the basement, or does it seem like that's the best spot to, to rest? There is an angry raccoon family who lives here now. <laughs> um. All right, I guess we sleep out under the stars on the uh, magic slip You circle. let a raccoon family displace <laughs> you? You're a 10th level wizard or something. Send your apprentice in with a dagger to go fight rats. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Devon hangs out at the top while, uh, while the apprentice has to grind raccoons for experience. <laughs> she comes out scratched and bloody but victorious. Um, and in true amateur adventurer has skinned one raccoon with plans to make a raccoon hat out of it 
It's my sort of sad won't make me an armor. My master won't make me an won't cast me an armor spell, so I have to like craft armor out of raccoon skins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so we we sleep on uh, in the uh, in the former raccoon den. Yeah, excellent. Um, and then it's just a, a quick hop, skip, and jump a few days back. I think to we go we go straight to Kronos actually. Oh, okay. Um, so that is a few days across the hills. Uh, so three more days to get there. Maybe well, one day to do this. Two, three, yeah, like four days to get to Kronos. We need some camels or something. Actually, it's just this one. Horses. I don't know. Uh, anything interesting at uh, Drexel's lab? Or does anything spooky happen when we spend the night there? Mm -mm. No, it's just calm. and a raccoon dungeon now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Calm, quiet, damp, a little bit moldy, but not, you know, I'm going to eat you mold, just ordinary mold. Um, it is underground, so it's probably got some standing water in it. I don't think there's a hatch on it anymore. Is there... Did you remove the hatch? Would I have removed the hatch? I don't think you would have removed the hatch. Okay, so there's probably not any standing water. I'm thinking, since it's an underground lair, if, if water gets in, it just mm -hmm. stays down there. Um, that's fine. Uh, a few days later, you find yourself arriving at Kronos's cave. The Red Hills being relatively safe these days. The cockatrices have all but gone extinct, mostly due to giants stepping on them. Oh, and... And Von collecting them. Von collecting them, yes. Um, and you can make your way back to Kronos's lair. You will find as you arrive, there are a there's a a giant and two giant children outside the cave waiting, hmm. looking in from a, a distance of maybe 150 feet or so. Devon brushes past them, soy probably timidly following at his heels. Uh, what do we look like? Are we covered in troll blood still? Like no, it's been a few days. I'm sure you you're in the the brackish fen, right? So you could have like washed off with okay. brackish water. Maybe your okay. clothes are dirty and gross, but that's just par for the course of this area. Okay. Um, when you get to the cave, you can see that there is a fourth giant inside who is currently on his or her knees before the temple um, with Kronos standing over them, a hand on their head other hand on his amulet mm -hmm. uh, speaking in the language of giants Devon uh, motions for Asoy to hand him the troll heart Asoy he, does uh, interrupts this prayer somewhat subtly Devon like sliding up beside Kronos as he's like doing this prayer, Kronos probably gives him like dirty looks. How dare you interrupt my ritual? Mm -hmm. And then Devon holds out the the troll heart to him and like squeezes some blood in the in the basin like behind him or something. To like uh, I don't know. I thought about like splashing the blood at the giants, but I was I don't I don't know how I don't want to take too many liberties with uh, getting involved in this ritual. Oof. But I will supply them with some uh, fresh blood if they need it. No? Is there any blood sprinkling? Did I misread the situation? Dice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Big mixture. 
Um, Should I roll like an, a religion check or something like that? Yes, please do or give me a religion one. check. Okay, I don't have religion, so another half wisdom. No, I think I misread the situation. This, this does not call for blood. No, the situation does not call for blood whatsoever. Uh, Kronos attempts to ignore you and continue the ministrations and prayers with this other person. Okay, I step aside. I'm small, easy to easy to ignore. Mm-hmm. I didn't really say anything. I just kind of walked in. The other giants probably have their eyes closed. Yep. It's just yep. Kronos is pissed off. Yep. Uh, and it takes a good 15 minutes for them to finish up, and then the other giant will leave a clutch of copper and silver coins in an offering tray, and you'll recognize these coins as freshly minted coins for, out of Necrot, okay. um, and head off out and Kronos will whirl to face you. If, uh, would it have been too destructive for me to uh, refit the blood fountain while this was going on? or would No more been... disruptive than walking in and squeezing the heart out. I squeezed it into the basin. Sure, sure, but like, you know, it's squeezing the basin and then you just kind of fit it into the basin and there you go. Well, there's, it's, a, I think it was a helm with like, nails yeah, fit into it. Shove like, it yeah, up yeah. into the helmet or maybe right, turn the so, helmet upside down, shove it in. Yeah, and turn it so in. Yeah. So by the time he's done, I've like refitted the heart and the first tear of blood is dripping down the side of the mm-hmm. of the helmet. You should Kronos. not have interrupted the prayers. Velthara will not be pleased. Well, then it's a good thing I've uh, brought an offering. Hmm. This a is good a offering. I like nod to yeah. my apprentice. We have, uh, we have, yeah. We have, uh, come from the brackish fen where we bathed in the element of blood. Hmm. Bring Valthara this threat, this fresh. Heart. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's quiet for a moment. Uh, takes a knee and examines the heart in the helmet, dripping blood. Gets to his feet and says, "You are a man of your word, Devon." I nod. I have a small favor to ask you, but uh, I'll let you get through uh, your parishioners. And uh, Devon and Asoy will like slip into like an alcove of the cave and wait for like the other two giants to get through their thing. Taking glee in this, Kronos mm. uh, just goes about his duties, and it takes you a little while to realize that the other giants were just waiting for their one person who was inside <laughs> doing the prayer. But Kronos is happy to like, in his petty vengeance, let you mm-hmm. like hide in an alcove and wait until you we realize don't hide, that. But we just like slip into an alcove and think we're waiting for the giants, and then like. Mm-hmm two or three or five minutes pass and we realize those giants weren't waiting to come in mm-hmm. and then it's like is he just like sweeping what is, mm-hmm. what is going on here that's exactly yeah yeah he just like sweeps out the cave a little bit rearranges some things just busies himself with stupid stuff devon's uh, maybe stubborn too i don't know if a soul so is not super charismatic so she maybe doesn't understand like the pissing match that's going on so devon starts like casually talking to a soy 
maybe this is where he starts talking trolls with her and like goes through and answers whatever questions she had to ask about like trollish regeneration and like mm-hmm. coming back from the largest pieces and that's why we had to mm-hmm. burn the body so that the heart was the largest piece otherwise it would have died within a day mm-hmm. and Devon and Kronos attempt to outstubborn each other <laughs> Or something, or like wait until there's a moment where one of them can like broach conversation without admitting that they uh, they were the least petty. Once uh, Kronos has it's finished, probably Devon. It's probably oh, okay. Devon. I mean, Kronos here is the uh, he's give he's me the. Uh, we should do a post willpower checks, really. Uh, yeah, but it, I guess oh. I've got pretty decent will. But uh, he is like the. Oh my god! Yeah what you call it the oh no i nailed it yeah you did i was gonna say he's like the uh avatar of velthara he mm-hmm. bears her amulet mm-hmm. at this time uh but his thought he but he's yeah his patience patient, wears thin and mm-hmm. after he finishes just a couple of small activities and then hears you comfortably having a conversation on the side it's like know. in we're we're humans so mm-hmm. like we're way below his ears like we're we're like it's like a com- it's like a hushed conversation in a in a cathedral, right? But he hears mm-hmm. us like but he looks over and we're like smiling and talking. Yeah. He'll notice that there's a conversation happening without knowing mm-hmm. the details of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's finished up his chores and you look too comfortable. You're not like mm-hmm. you know, he's gotten all of the the satisfaction out of delaying you that he's going to get. Mm-hmm. And so he comes back over and <sighs> you had a favor you needed to ask of me, Devon the Divine. Yes, I uh, wish to renew my divine armors. I ask that you play, pray for Belthara's blessing, that you may, uh, that I may lay her cloak of vengeance about me and turn aside my blows, or turn aside. Mm-hmm. Blows. I will. Uh, I'll make an offering. Let me see what. Uh, I don't know what an appropriate amount of money is, but I have it. Surely, let's see. Got a ton of coins. Looks like most of those are in my hoard, but uh, we've been minting fresh coins. Mm-hmm. Let's see the the copper. Oh, the silver is beginning to flow. What what was printed on the silver? Was that the was that my mother-in-law's coin? I think it might have been. The copper was uh, Dorboth and Guam, Matthias and Safi, Devon and Helen. Two heads, and I think the silver had the uh, Mistress of Coin on it. Yes. Your mother-in-law, whose name I've forgotten. It's probably on the wiki or something. Yeah. Probably a cool name. Uh, so you'd leave some coins. What was the number again? Um, I only have 80 written on my personal wealth, so maybe that's... It is a good number to leave. It's only it's copper. That's all that I've got. Oh. Um. He looks at the pittance you drop on, into hold his. Hold on, hold on. Quartz crystal. I've got gemstones. 
it seems a shame with all the wealth that is being printed that I don't have better, but let's see. Fine, have your 100 GP gemstone, you stingy bastard. <laughs> Not stingy, greedy, greedy. <laughs> I don't think I have any, I don't think I have a spell that calls for 100 GP gemstones. And if I do, I can probably buy them at home. Mm -hmm. you have so I put a gem. Home. Is there a separate offering basin? There or is. was it the blood fountain? Okay. There's, no, no, okay. there's a separate one. All right. Okay. So I will put a, the, I will put a 100 GP gemstone. Mm-hmm and the offering basin and hope that he will give me an ample quantity of blessed leather yes yes he does maybe yeah he will yeah. um pull a stretched leather hide that is sitting on like a, a canvas frame or a frame mm -hmm. for stretching hides and tear it or cut it carefully into long strips i think normally you get your blessed leather from ponos yeah, it used um, to be regurgitated snakes so this might be the first time i'm getting leather mm -hmm. You know, it might be appropriate to have like a garment of blessed leather rather, rather than having to just like toss you gotta get every like time. a cowboy jerkin with like the, yeah. the blessed fringes and you just like tear off a bit of fringe. Right. Oh. And then dual wield magic missile wands. <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Roy 2.0. Excellent. Um, but I guess for now, I can get a bunch of blessed leather. Mm -hmm. You get the blessed leather. Your apprentice waits quietly on the side, uh, intimidated by the giant and not wanting to speak up or out of turn here. And um, I guess after that, you guys can go home. Yeah, I will cast uh, armor on both myself and a soy. As we're leaving. Good, good. It is done. A little late, but uh, <laughs> some protections. You know what? She had to earn Balthara's, uh, Balthara's protection. Mm. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what we did to earn it, but I feel like the whole blood elemental situation would have uh, pleased Balthara. No vengeance was wrought, but it was... Uh... Violence was done. Yeah. She, despite being the goddess of... Well, I shouldn't say despite, but she is a big fan of vi uh, violence. She's her mother's child. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. And the party heads back to Necrot. Safe yeah. and sound. All told, this took probably like 10 days or something? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eh, ten days, twelve days, something like that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what were my other apprentices doing? I don't really have any errands for them. Were there spells they were researching? There are plenty of things that they're doing. They're practicing their spells. Moth is working or trying to work with the guardian of the tower. Um, oh, yeah, to, like, she used to be the librarian. 
yeah, to help manage the library. Clearly, the Eugolith is a superior caretaker, but when someone needs a book or needs to find something, it's easier just to call Moth over than to call this, like, abomination down. Mm -hmm. um, so Moth is, like, familiarizing themselves with the books in the area, doing Cassandra's bidding and Cassandra's bitch work. Uh, Cassandra is researching spells, learning things, Making you know, paper. attending... Yeah, attending to small things here and there. Someone comes looking for Devon, and Cassandra, still being your a prime apprentice, will take diligent notes on what people needed from you, and you know, pass on the information that she thinks is important or the things that you would care about, and throws away the information that isn't worth your time. Was um, was there anything important that came through while I was away? I think there are things that aren't worth our time, but would be okay. worth Devon's time, like, you know, progress on Shelter Bay, reports from the silver mines that have come in, local mm -hmm. politics, you know, argument over water rights between these people, the, the humdrum daily administration projects that we ourselves don't really want to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does form a, or act sort of as a, a pseudo-chancellor being the one to decide what is worthy of your attention when you're away. Seems fair enough, but the political moves are uh, interesting. Maybe they're going unnoticed by Devon at this point, but... Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. Devon, Devon's parent-in-laws parent are still alive and in theoretical rulership of the town. Devon mm -hmm. does have a wife, so mm -hmm. he doesn't necessarily need a chancellor, but uh, perhaps the power dynamics in Necrot are not what they seem. Mm -hmm. um, I like chat's discussions of the of the troll heart. Every minute the heart sits How in the basin, the troll generates vengeance energy. Ooh. Mm -hmm. the, the troll angry at being uh, murdered, well, not even murdered, like butchered and uh enslaved by devon God, i don't know how much awareness like that troll has but it ha if it has even the vengeance. slightest amount of awareness then you would be so pissed mm -hmm. great so here we are aaron's yeah. run yeah back home for some spell research Excellent. Um, I'm going to just make some slight changes to your apprentice's character sheets. Asoy is second level. Uh, Moff is probably second level as well. Asoy, I think, is probably ahead in XP, though, because she not only has 16 int, but also takes on the more hardy, dangerous work. Uh, Cassandra, by now, is got to be at least third level. maybe fourth maybe three and a half or something i'm not gonna dig too deep into their mechanics but she's at least third level okay um, nearing fourth level any other workers that we need to talk about um no your blacksmith is doing their thing your architect's doing their thing Quanots have been flushed out and filled out and are regularly cleaned out because some silt builds up. 
mines are working well. Everything seems to be humming away pleasantly for Devon and Devon's region. Shelter Bay is not fully finished yet, but it's doing good. People come from far and wide to purchase the silver and the copper that are mined here and haul them back to their own places. There's not quite yet a regular trade route to Hearth Home, but there is the occasional person who has learned about this, the occasional, uh, what would you call it, ambitious merchant who will follow along the coastline and in the shallows, uh, getting to a space where they can come and like purchase large amounts of copper or silver or uh, and then haul it back in exchange for maybe more refined goods that you can't get out here. Um, someone comes and trades a few gemstones for metals. A wandering scholar comes by who has heard wonders of the of Necrot and, and the Great Tower and has come just to make like a survey of the region and talk to people and report back to the lands beyond Hearthome. Is he here while Devon is here or is this while Devon was out and about? Yeah, he arrived while Devon was out and about, and that's one of the things that Cassandra tells you about. He's Wait, still in town. Him. Okay. Yeah, if you would like Has to he seek him out. Yet? He did come to the tower. He talked to Cassandra. Cassandra said you were away, um, and he said you'd be in town for a few days, and you know he's about, but he has not come back to the tower. You could seek this uh, this feller. Yeah. Um, did could I asked Cassandra if she thought to uh, she, thought to speak with the scholar. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra says Record that their knowledge. She asked where the scholar was from. The scholar replied that she was from a small village north of Hearth Home near the edge of the Elven Wood um, and that she is more of a, a traveler and a wanderer uh, taking, you know, picking up knowledge from one place and then selling it to other people elsewhere hmm. um, and she has selling. quite a bit of knowledge and if you would like to pay for her for her time she can tell you about the lands beyond Hearth Home We'll see. Um, where where are they staying? They are staying at one of the inns that has built up near the Necrot marketplace. Mm-hmm. Some old farmer who is uh, too old to work anymore has, together with their spouse, turned their home into a, a bed and breakfast. It's not fancy, but you get a clean bed all to yourself, and you get food and drink um, for okay. a fairly reasonable price. Devon, I guess we'll pay a visit to this uh, bed and breakfast mm-hmm. when he hears, hears the news that there's a visiting sage through town. Yes. And maybe it's right around breakfast time and he walks in as the uh, scholar is dining. Mm-hmm. The scholar's name is Cycla and she, she is middle-aged. Sure. Is she human? Great question. She is actually a half-elf. Hmm. As is Devon. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. 
she may be a half elf or she's definitely a half elf her uh fae like ears give it away pretty clearly and she makes no attempt whatsoever to hide them okay well devon enters and uh it's probably pretty easy to spot the uh a stranger. Well, I mm-hmm. guess this is a tavern, so maybe it's full of strangers, but she's obviously got the palest skin and the softest hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe a travel. Anyways. Yeah, she's got this, she's got you know, gentle flowing hair, the color of wheat, and she's got a traveling bag, and her ears sort of poke out on the sides just a little bit, uh, hair coming down in front and pulled back. She's got, like, this leather traveling vest and she's currently sitting at a table with a, a writing board that she has brought with her uh, with paper or papyrus put up on it, making gentle notes and re- referencing some other previous notes that she seems to be tidying up into a more formal organization. Um, um, Devon will approach. Does it look like she already has food? No, not at this moment. All right. Um, Devon will pull aside a server or one of the... Yeah, the the grandma of the on place. On his way over mm-hmm. and uh, request that they bring us food and coffee and mm. yeah, and then Devon will mm-hmm. walk on over. Welcome. How are you? Uh, how are you finding your time here in the crot? She looks up from her work uh, and recognizes you quite quite quickly. Gets to her feet and gives you a half bow, a little stiff thing, and says, uh, greetings, you must be Devon, the manager of these lands. Uh, found my mm. time here quite pleasant so far. Don't know that anyone's ever called me a manager before. What term would you prefer? And she quickly sits back down and pulls out the pen and gets ready to dictate what you say. Or write I, what you dictate. Uh... I am a wizard, a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have a formal title? Your apprentice wa- was reluctant to assign you one. Um, um, my father-in-law is the elder of Necrot, but... Uh, for the time being, I am a humble archmage. Okay. He jots it down and then you, stands back what up. What are you uh, writing down there? Devon asks curiously as he attempts to peer at her notes. She turns them to make it easier for you to read. I'm mm-hmm. simply writing your, your title um, along with the other biographical information about you that I have collected. About me? Yes. I'm sh- Surely the least interesting thing about this place. <laughs> have you seen our library? The, the library that you have crafted from the very bones of the earth itself? Yes, well, sure. I have seen from at the outside. You haven't visited? Frankly, I'm, I was surprised to uh, hear that you were in town, and, well, this is a fine establishment. Uh, I was told it was not open to the general public. I, who told you this? Why, your apprentice. Cassandra? Yes. Hmm. Yes, she told me you were here. I'm uh, surprised she neglected to uh, take such notes about you and your life and knowledge. Um, 
Well then, may I be the first to invite you to uh, visit our great library. When may I visit? Why, uh, after breakfast, and upon like gestures over a plate of fruit or something that's uh, mm-hmm. there's some way and the cups of coffee and thinly sliced potatoes that have been fried, brought with a little bit of fresh fruit, mostly grapes from the the vineyards that are growing. Yeah. Um, plops it down. And small Devon bit of chicken. Will, uh, tell the cycla to uh, come visit the library uh, later today at your leisure. Perhaps we can compare notes and exchange knowledge and come to some mutually beneficial arrangement. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless she picks and prods, he will excuse himself and hopefully see her shortly at the library. She waits to finish her breakfast, finish her cleaning up her notes, and then will visit you at the library later that day. A little bag tucked underneath her arm that looks like it contains the writing board and the other things. Uh, when she walks out, she's got a you know a simple cape flowing behind her to protect her from the elements. A pair of good boots that have maybe seen better days, but at least were um, fancy and nice when initially bought. And hikes her way up to the tower, knocks at the door, is let in. Is there a door? Probably, right? There must be a door. Yeah. Okay. Um, you are alerted to her presence. Around. And... Who, who, yeah, uh, he'll you know, be welcome to look at our collection. Um, you may read what you wish, but uh, nothing is to leave these grounds without express permission. Of course not. Um, Devon looks meaningfully to the Yugoloth if it if it happens to be around. Otherwise, maybe it's like I don't think it's super visible. It probably has a little weird like water basin or something that it stays in. Maybe it's like up in the rafters somewhere. Mm. Perhaps at first glance it looks like a gargoyle, and then you realize it's alive. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Keeps but an unless, eye out, but unless it happens to be like right there, he won't bear mention to it. Yeah. Uh, she will bombard you with so questions about where these books came from, how many of them you wrote yourself, the purpose I, of the library, what inspired you to make it. She really bugs me with questions rather than just reading the books. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> too many books to, to read. Yeah, There's no way. Uh, <clears throat> you will... Uh, I... Most of them were penned or carved by my own hand save a few spell books that I have gathered in my archaeological journeys. Mm-hmm. My apprentice Cassandra is taken to paper making and record keeping of her own. So some of so she is beginning to contribute as well. Um, we're free to look around. Um, but I am eager to grow my collection to deepen our knowledge. If you have, uh, um, if you have any works that I may, that I may copy or procure, or if you would permit one of my apprentices to record your own thoughts and knowledge to uh, enshrine here. Oh, that would be much appreciated. Perhaps we can arrange an exchange of knowledge. You can, uh, you may, um, 
rifle through my works and in turn deposit some of your own. Hmm. Of course, while you are here, you will be as if uh, will be hosted as if under my own roof or all your needs taken care of. That is very generous. I was soon to leave for my funding was running short. But if you will supply me with room and board, I would be happy to pay you in knowledge of distant lands or whatever happens to be your desires. And be more than pleased to make my own notes. Perhaps we can arrange a fellowship of of sorts. You make yourself at home. Um, and Devon will go and fetch Cassandra and instruct her to uh, <laughs> tend to uh, this visitor, Cycla, and to make and to like take notes of everything she knows. So basically, to like mm-hmm. interview her and record her. Mm-hmm. And we can sure we can pay her for her time while she stays here and give her room and board and all of that. Cassandra will happily work on this. This seems this does not involve deharding a troll. This is pleasant work for her. Does um, uh, is this is this traveling sage a wizard or is no. she no? Simply a sage. So most of the uh, contents of this library are beyond her. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, Devon's been recording what he knows and the results of his divining yeah she's most drawn to the geological books the the surveys of the area um on as a cartographer so there are probably detailed maps of mm -hmm. the red hills and Mm -hmm. surrounding area yep Uh, the one question that really should be brought up that she asks is about your heritage your family who were your parents devon parents are humble shepherds uh why they still live here in town humans both of them i believe the answer um, yes i think devon shrugs it off right his parents were both human weren't they Mm -hmm. at least to the best of his knowledge yeah he brushes it off and probably evades the question she takes your um, brush off as a, like a, a sev, what do you call it? Like, of course they're human. What else would they be? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But if she wishes to investigate, it probably would be too hard for her to like figure out who his parents are and go and visit them and ask questions. Um, I don't think Devon will pry too hard at this moment, but I feel like if she takes notes, I'm pretty much buying all of her notes. So at some point down the line, it might be interesting for Devon to like rifle through the sage's notes on himself and see what uh, what her conclusions are, the results of her investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Devon is willing to pay her whatever she asks and probably indefinitely, mostly because money is really uh, no object to him and it just kind of flows freely from the earth. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are the typical wages for a sage? Probably quite costly, isn't it? Yes, to have your own sage is quite costly. 
Um, but she's not like a fully established sage and her method of income isn't like, I'm going to plop down here and just spew information. She's more of like a, maybe like a doctoral candidate who is still completing their research. So she's probably right now being paid very, very little as she accrues knowledge of the world to then disseminate later in life. Um, what is her deal? You said she's from like the north, from the Elven lands. Yeah, her. She was born on a town near the uh, Elven lands. Hmm. Um, but I guess you you talk with her and get this information. She has a home base in Hearthome, mm-hmm. um, a small little cottage there. And it's from there that she ventures out to survey the land, make maps or buy maps, uh, get, you know, geological information, geographical information, monsters that might be in the area, settlements of note, resource distributions, just trying to, like, understand the world um, and then sell it to whoever wants it. So she can set up, like, a little shop, and when someone says, hey, I need to find, um, you know, a good source for iron, she can point them in this direction, or a good source of silver, and she can point them out to Necrot, mm-hmm. or, you know, what's the scariest month? You know, just people just pay her for the information that she acquires. Yeah. I guess as long as uh, I get all that information in my library, she can uh, soak up whatever information she can get from us. Are you looking up wages for a... Uh, for a I was, yes. Scribe costs gold a day. That's pretty much all you have on. Yeah. Um, Sages are pretty complicated. There's a lot of variation in sage ability and wages. Mm -hmm. Is there not a table somewhere for like? Yeah, I just found it here. Table 62 and 63 in the DMG. Let's see, a clerk makes eight gold a month. Architect makes 200 gold a month. That's a clerk. And these are like. Anyways. They tell you how much... Oh, expenses in the range of 1,000 GP a day could be levied against the character. 1,000 GP a day for a stage? This is why I built my own economics sheet, is because the second edition economics really break down... Yeah, I think Very it's because they. The only reason you would consult a stage would be like if you're trying to create a magical item or you're trying to. So that yeah, but if you try to if you do any sort of comparison of materials, a thousand GP a day is a hundred thousand copper, and even if you were to you know flex though a copper is a dollar 
to like a silver's a dollar, that's still $10,000 to ask a sage a question. So I feel like these... And for a day, like that seems fine if it's like, okay, consultant, go off and spend a month researching the answer to this, bring it back to me. Here's a thousand gold. Mm -hmm. But anyways, this is, I mean, that's mostly to balance wizards later on in the game. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Anyway, um, she's I, a I young research assistant. Paid. Yeah, you can give her food and bo- uh, room and board, which is pretty useful for her because she's still collecting information. She's happy to disseminate things to you. Maybe some and, modest stipend. I don't know. She can yeah. her on her fellowship or whatever. Um, I'll have Cassandra will like sit her down. We'll probably, I guess we can pay her or whatever to sit down with Cassandra for like a couple hours a day mm-hmm. and like have Cassandra like interview her and like write down everything that she knows or at least that she has the patience to share. Right. And it'll just Maybe be a we'll back and buy forth. some of her works and like transcribe them and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. In the meantime, can... she's free to ask us questions or to most, I'm hoping she'll just peruse the library and leave us alone. But <laughs> between Cassandra and Moth, you can get. Uh, a copy of everything that she oh, learns yeah, about this area. Moth probably writes it all down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also some information about the outside areas. You learn about the city of Hearthome a little bit, the city of Acropolis a little bit. And those are seem to be the only other two cities of note. She does mention that there is some sort of unnamed city or unknown city to the south uh, in some sort of large pasture lands or big grasslands that she hasn't been S- to yet oh, and would like not- to visit it. Mm-hmm. When she visit, I hope I hope you'll return after your journeys to uh, inform us of what uh, what new knowledge you discover. Or you can come by my shop in Hearthome. Perhaps. All right. So maybe we'll like we'll let the simmer in the background and. Mm-hmm summarize at some point later what uh, what knowledge we wind up purchasing from her, what mm-hmm. additions to the library there may be, what she uncovers about Devon's heritage, <laughs> or at least what conspiracy theories she uh, comes up with. Right. Um, uh, in the meantime, I will be spending 10 weeks researching Magic Jar, I believe. Oh, let's do Remove Curse first. Okay. Three, six weeks researching Remove Curse. 10% plus 16 plus 9 minus 6. Right, is it twice level or just one? Twice level. level. Twice level. So plus 19, so 29%. It's not a. Is it 95 or 99? So that was, oh, double 86s. So that's six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. Oh, and then I critically fail. Yep, whenever the character results a 99 or 100, the DM may rule that the spell proves unworkable and must be abandoned. So I think after three weeks of research. No, that's uh, nine weeks, right? Base is six, and then you, oh, and there's increasing chances after that, but. Yeah, 10%. So it wasn't 29. It should have been 39 or 29, 39, 49. Mm-hmm. But the night, I think I, uh, 
I'm unable the, to re- to get remove curse. Is the base two weeks per spell level? Or one Isn't week it? per spell level? Base reach time is two weeks per spell level. So it was six, yeah. seven, eight weeks then that was conducted? Yeah, eight weeks. Um, is it just beyond me at this point? Well, what you, the problem you run missing... into is you are missing an actual cursed item to study. You're trying to use all the theory, but you don't have enough experimental evidence in front of you to put the pieces together appropriately. You would okay. need to get so your hands need... on a cursed thing. Okay. Or go mad and uh, be cursed myself. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess you could sit down and make scrolls until you make a cursed one. Yeah, I might already have a curse scroll. Yeah. I mean, the whole reason I wanted this was so that I could uh, make some remove curse scrolls for my apprentices. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, and then the next one will be a magic jar. It'll be another ten weeks. I'll go ahead and roll the first one, and then we can see if anything important happens in the interim. All right. So does ten weeks yield anything? Weeks is another. So it's been, ni- it's been eighteen weeks. Okay. I'm sure the. Uh, the sage is long gone by now. Long gone by now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Moving into another season. Um, Shelter Bay ha- is mostly constructed at this point. At least the docks are fully built and operational. Some of the other parts of town are still being built. Um, should I keep rolling to see how long it takes? Or should we, or do we want to? I, you can keep going. Um, I don't know if you want to do it week by week or if you want to wait a few weeks so that your chance goes up and you don't run the risk no, of 99s. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. There, we there go. you go. So that's uh, 10, 11, 11 12. 12. So this is like 20 weeks yeah. of research in Necrot. And Devon learns Magic Jar. Um, I think he's going to need some high expensive gems for this to work or like mm-hmm. a special creepy amulet or something. Well, about but we'll get there 15, later. So this has been 20, twenty weeks. So like, mm-hmm. let's. I think we probably should pause and like collect what uh, what's changed in the region. Maybe summarize what the sage did, etc. Um, this seems like probably a good spot for a break. And I yeah. have something that I need to go take care of. So maybe we'll take a slightly long break and come back for another segment. Sounds great. Let's do that okay. right now. All right. See you guys on the other side. Yep. All right. Bye bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Dyson with Death. Hello. So, we have done 20 weeks of gameplay just in your research time alone. Mm-hmm. Anything important? Or can we just skip half a year and uh, no consequences? What level mm-hmm. of importance do you want to talk about? What, what mm-hmm. is worthy of your time? You're the you're the game master here. I figure I would leave that to your. Uh, then we're going to skip half a year ish because there are things that go on, but they're all sort of micromanagey, administrative nonsense. Yeah. Maybe from a storytelling perspective, it'd be interesting to give sort of a broad uh, overview of the turning of the seasons. Yeah, perhaps perhaps we need to roll some constitution checks to see if uh, Devon yields an heir. Oh. Yes, well, why don't we talk about your relationship with your wife? Sometimes you are running about doing things for weeks on end. Other times you're deep in study. How much time do the two of you actually get to spend together? Quality time. Yeah, maybe we should leave it up to a con check. Doesn't sound like it's that quality, does it? I, I, yeah. Yeah, 
I think perhaps we are finding it, exactly like some, how much I think time if this you were spend like a, Yeah. I think if this, I mean, yeah, if this were, a sh this, I mean, I guess this is kind of a show. She has like never appeared on screen, right? Mm -hmm. There is like repeated references to her, but she's like not, she doesn't even, so far does not even appear in the credits of the show, right? There, she's, mm -hmm. they haven't even cast an actress for her because she, uh, her only appearance is on like the back of the coins and, right. uh, and references to stuff Devon does off screen. Mm -hmm. Which may not be entirely reflective of their relationship, but. But there's only so much flirting that we can do together over the mm -hmm. last 20 years before it gets We're done. awkward. Qualmir used it all up. Yep. It's over. Never again. Um, so why don't you give us that air check? Oh, yeah. I'm just going to sum it up in one constitution check. Is that what we're thinking? We'll sum up the 20 weeks. Yeah. Vaughn is, is too virile. Somewhere in this time, Devon's wife off screen becomes pregnant. Um, we've sort of lost what season it is because we've been doing so much time skipping. So why don't you give me a D12? To see what month your child will be born in. Should we roll a five? Nay. And the child well, is Ryan. We'll need a D thirty days in September, April, June, and we'll need a D thirty one. Uh what time is the campaign in right now? It's tenth of May. So we must be in late fall? Sort of like um, late November, I think, by this point in time. Okay. Yeah, I think that a lot gives her enough time to begin to show. And, and that gives us about like what, like seven months before Devon is forced to retire and this campaign's over. Why would that happen? <laughs> You're going to be an absentee father, just like Van Helsing. <laughs> we never met his wife either, did we? only very briefly I think she had a few spoken lines and then like uh, the actress had a problem with her contract and so she was just written out of the rest of the show yeah yeah. there may have been a scene where you berated Van Helsing for being a terrible father right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's you know like Natalie Portman in the um, MCU where they just like oh yeah yeah we just broke up moving on don't care about her no more Great. All right. Well, as winter is approaching, the Red Hills are faring quite well. We've already mentioned Shelter Bay's progress, where they've got their piers up and most of the houses are built. But the you know they're carving things out of the earth, so that takes a little while. Uh, the serpent deity or demigod or spirit over near Shelter Bay has been showered with gifts. And things there seem to go well. There are small series of earthquakes from time to time that give useful fault lines running through sections of what will become Shelter Bay. Uh, Platos has swelled the banks of the river coming out of Necrot, coming out of your, your Quanot, and it is now a, a hefty flowing river instead of just a, a trickling creek. 
little patties for uh, rice or other vegetation have grown up on the sides and there's a little bit of terrace farming going at the moment people are still like hauling water up to the the terraces there's not so a mechanical infrastructure to do this but that's great because it provides lots of jobs for all of the new people moving to necrot the population is ballooning somewhat mostly from the other nearby villages the the youngsters are moving out to necrot to find some work get some money to bring back home and they're the occasional folks coming from overseas who have heard about this wondrous land and came to visit it's almost entirely that you know the local villages that you can see on the map if the map were up for everyone to see um, yeah your drunken uncle has indeed created Any. functioning vineyards mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the wine has been bottled. I think the very first batch of wine after it has been left to rest and ferment was bottled uh, this year. And so you have your very first batch of Necrotian mountain wine has has flavors that I should not be the one to describe because I don't know anything about wine and I don't think your wine is supposed to taste peaty or earthy. Oh, earthy is totally... Peaty could be a thing. That's no, totally oh. earthy. Oh, yeah. Rich mineral uh, notes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's slightly spicy, but it's still young. It needs needs to age. Right, you gotta let those tannins mellow or harshen or something. <laughs> right on I just know there's something called a tannin in a wine and they do things they stain your teeth right um maybe tannins are like the bitter compound like tanninic acid I think and there's mm. related I don't know I don't I, I know marginally more than you <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your house. Your wine comes in a box, Ryan. <laughs> I there are bottles of wine in this house right now, but uh, oh, that's true. There are lots of me. them. I've seen them. Well, for now, there are. We'll drink through them and need to go buy a box soon enough. Mm, yeah. Nice. Um, Devon takes some of these bottles of wine and uh, steeps them with owl feathers for easy uh, identify spells. Nice. Nice. So somewhere in the tower are some of these first vintage wines with like an owl feather in the bottle mm -hmm. for, uh, for divining, for identification. Great. Um... What did we? Um, what became of the uh, of the visiting scholar of uh, Cycla? She, she left hung around was... for a few days and then took off after um, only a few days. I, it was probably closer to a week. She'd already been in town for a little while before you re-returned, mm -hmm. uh, and then she stuck around for a little bit while longer, but headed home, having made a, a good survey of the area. Ask the right questions. You know, Necrop is a, a rising 
juggernauts of power, but at this moment in time, it doesn't take that long to, like, jot down everything that you need to know about Necrot and the surrounding area and the people. Typically, a visiting scholar stays for at least a semester, but I suppose... Uh... Yeah, but the population of Necrot is measured in the thousands, not the hundreds of thousands or millions. So that's mm-hmm. a hell of a lot less time that you need to, like, understand the area. And for... this region is, what, only... How many miles across? 50 miles by... 50 miles or so. So we're talking with a pretty small zone. Yeah, you could probably go to a town and spend a couple days there and learn all there is to it, to know about the place. Yeah, and the people in the town are like, what do you mean? Like a true American tourist. (laughs) It takes a lot longer to understand the town than a couple of weeks. You're like, okay, buddy, sure. You say ah instead of ah. Great. Wonderful. Um, Were my apprentices able to copy all of her notes in this time? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They copied all the notes that she made of this area and pestered her for information about the surrounding uh, zones. Any uh, interesting uh, additions to our library? Yes. Yes. Um, I will give you the whole world, or not world, but zone map. Oh god. I don't know how to do this right. Uh I will give it to you later. <laughs> it's too okay. complicated to give you right now. It's in awkward pieces. Can you turn Fog of War off on this? On the yes, but the map that you have right here has been modified. Um, the landmass no longer is accurate. This is the the old version. Some cities are in the wrong places, and there are some other inaccuracies to it. Mm. It would be um, a lie. Oh, I know how to do this. Okay, I can totally do this. I'm gonna bork the music for chat for a moment. That is fine. Okay, that's right, Ruben. I was trying to research the uh, world staff. Mm-hmm. So if she had any legends of that. That would have been interesting. I forgot to bring it up with her. Um, but Let me just get you the map and then I can... One... One, one thing at a time. The man can't multitask. I only have so much brain power. So much. Ah, perfect. Okay. So I can bring us to this map. Huzzah. Um, You just erased my skull. Is this from lag? Yeah, because it's the same zone. I just dragged the map over from one to the other. Uh, And then we'll have to adjust the... We'll have to replace all of the little Bravoian markers and details. Oh. It's fine. This is another page, right? Or did you just save over everything? No, it's another page. So it, okay. it's an easy enough to... Might be easier to turn this into a handout or something, but... Um, I mean, yeah. So we had all of our markers and notes and names of locales. Yeah, but I can Anyways. just do... I can bring them over the old-fashioned way. 
so there's some kind of city down in the that massive plains that Mm -hmm. gotcha coolio oh my god they're not not the right size okay Is this the whole of Bravo? Mm-hmm. This is like the entirety of the Empires of Arcadia map done in hex crawl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sweetness. Yeah. Um. So, did uh, the scholar leave us any uh, legends of the World Staff or any other works of cosmological? Right, right. Um, let's see. The world staff, she has heard people talking about it. Primarily, these rumors come from the Elven lands, which she has had um, not a lot of occasion to explore, but a little bit of occasion to explore. Um, the elves speak of a, a world staff that... Um, I guess you would you would just call it is the world in one in one very real sense is like the core of the world. That's what makes it turn. It's what powers the elements. It's what you know inevitably fuels people and powers them. Um, I'm gonna just do a quick map change for just a moment while I sort out these details so that they're accurate. But uh, the location of it is said to be sort of in another realm, technically in the Earth and technically part of the Earth and technically, um, you know, outside of the realms of reality. So it's not really understood where it is. Um, The elves are said to have a fragment of it, to have a philosopher's stone. Time to go murder some elves. (laughs) Um, but that is just a rumor she has not been able to confirm these reports she suspects that this is just the uh the speakings of greedy human mages who want this to be a thing somewhere and have been like oh well if someone's got it it's got to be the elves so she doesn't put a lot of credence in these rumors um but they are there if you want them And the elves have cities? Like, is there an elven city where this would be in? Or is it just like the elves have this whole woods and it's kind of a big unknown? Uh, She will tell you about the three different types of elven space. The wild wood, the shaped wood, and the... I can't believe I'm blanking my name on the third type of wood. Um, their cities are not quite the same as yours, uh, Cycla will tell you. Rather than having um, large structures with lots of people around, elven cities are, are, they're not cities, they're pods, is what word would translate to. Do you speak elven, she asks. This wouldn't Uh, go faster if you did. I don't think I took any languages at character creation. So, unless DM would like to intervene. No, there's no reason you should. My languages says five. Nice. Five. I speak five. 
<laughs> Great. So no, I don't think I have any reason to have learned Elven. Great. No, I do not. Well then, let me explain to you about the... Actually, hold on a second. Ah, I need concentration. Yes, I speak Elven. I'll cast tongues and let her communicate to me. <laughs> the Elven world consists of three realms Shapedwood, Wildwood, and the Outlands. Rather than building things from stone or lumber, the Elven people shape their dwellings from living trees, planting saplings of specific types in strategic locations, and then over decades or centuries, carefully shaping their growth into actual structures. Uh, they generally live in small groups known as pods, very, very similar to our villages. Um, but the population in each pod is, you know, as small as 25 or as large as 100, usually near 30, 40, or 50, uh, but really no more than 100. And that would be an elven community that would last itself many, many hundreds of years, potentially thousands. And they live in some sort of symbiotic relationship with the, the nature around them. Uh, in addition to these pods, which is where most of the people live, they have various trade hubs set up throughout what we would call their kingdom, what they would call their lands. They don't have that same sense of um, country or monarchy. Um, these uh, trade hubs are made out of redwoods or sequoias, large trees that grow slowly and resist fire and have long lifespans. And the shaping of these buildings takes entire lifetimes of elves. We ha are, have existed in this world long enough to see some of these buildings grow to their full potential, or maybe in another century they will have shifted even further. Um, effectively, each building is made by a one person or a group of people, and it is their life's work and what they give back to their community. In these we could call them towns. We, elves gather as animals might gather at a watering hole, visiting ever so often to socialize with greater with the greater population and maintain relationships with pods from all over the elven lands. The elves here do have a single uh, proper city. It is in its infancy. Um, and it is made from giant sequoias, the largest, longest-lived trees that can be effectively shaped by single elven lifespans. Left to their own devices, of course, these trees live up to 2,700 years, but those at the heart of the city have been cured by a mystical, magical, semi-magical process in which um, an elf and a tree sort of merge into a new creature, which has the physical outward appearance of a tree, but imbued with the soul of an elf. Um, and this allows the tree to have a certain level of communication with the outside, and the tree can then shape its own structure, um, because now it has an elven soul. These trees are practically immortal and can be coaxed by the outside elves to grow or even recede its growth in any shape necessary. It is in these sacred grounds that the elves come once a year to meet and govern themselves. Uh, pods, towns, and the one city 
make up the realm of shaped wood in Elven lands. In Elven lands. The area of Wildwood is an area of forest between Shaped Wood and the Outlands, or just in between the various parts of Shaped Wood. It's mostly left to grow on its own, with little to no intervention on behalf of the elves, although a guiding hand may be gently applied from time to time, maybe to shape a tree branch to direct a path, or to you know adjust something to fit with the, the surrounding area, or to serve a purpose maybe as a watchtower. Um, starting or stopping wildfires, that sort of thing. Anything outside of this is considered the outlands. Um, this is the area beyond the wildwood, essentially any non-forested region. Since trees do not grow in these places, they are <laughs> sort of interestingly considered inhospitable to the elven people. I mean, certainly they can survive there. Elves do visit our home of Hearthome from time to time, but they consider Hearthome an inhospitable environment, and thus of very little consequence to their actions and to existence, really. Uh, their care for the areas, the outlands, usually extends only to the activity of what they consider exemplary beings that might exist in these parts, or areas of natural importance like a great river or a great mountain. Um, so that gives us a more or less breakdown of elven society, at least how they structure their society. The personal interactions between elves are not too different from those of us, but with a painfully, painfully long-viewed version of things. Two elves may come to bitter, bitter, angry blows with each other and then just not see each other for a hundred years and when they return, it's all water under the bridge for them. So they don't mind coming into conflict in quite the same way that we do since they know so much time will pass that it'll just be okay eventually. Uh, they view us as unfortunate creatures who don't live long enough to truly understand or appreciate the world. And she, like, flicks her ears. As you can see, my elven father considered me a, a sad, sad abomination and left me with my human mother to live for all time. She makes a painful smirk at this. Uh... They view us and you as short-tempered, crass, destructive, and short-sighted. <clears throat> so we, we're in the Outlands now? They would call this the Outlands? Mm -hmm. They would call this mm -hmm. inhospitable Outlands, especially this region. This rough, <laughs> hilly, hot climate, small, shrubby trees. Um, one thing you will never have to worry is an elven invasion. <laughs> well. Very well. I would say it sounds like I am doing much what the elves do to trees with the earth and stone here. Perhaps mm -hmm. we should call this shaped stone. Ooh, I think I broke everything. <laughs> shaped stone. Maybe I should. Maybe. Sh maybe we. Maybe this tower would be better off infused with souls. <laughs> Good thing I'm not an elf, Vaughn says. <laughs> she laughs to herself, not understanding that there might be some seriousness to these words. Um, if only we could muster the same power that they have managed to hold, I think 
our people, yours and mine, would be better for it in some ways. This conversation gives him a bit of inspiration for his magic jar. Mm-hmm. It's transferring of souls into trees, souls into the glittering gems around him. Mm-hmm. Um, after Cyclo leaves, what notes mm-hmm. does she leave on Devon? Did she have any interesting theories or investigations? About Devon? No, mm-hmm. quite. Uh, your notes, or her notes that you now have, will... Oof, what do we say? They discuss... First off, just like, quick outline. Who is Devon? Height, weight, hair color, background, Wait, family. She weighed me? How did she weigh me? She eyeballed she you. A, does she have a Georg's hand me metric spell? No, she's just... You know, she gave you the once over. You notice that the weight is like a few pounds heavier than you actually are. It's like I mean, slightly off. What does she think I weigh? Um, let's take a look at Devon's character sheet. Why you're cheating? Give me the just give me give him the once. I don't over. even know what your height is. I have to look at your height to f- guess your weight. She, well, how does she? She's not looking at my character sheet. She's got to look at she my can, height to guess I my height. I can't look at your height, Devon. You're not a real person. <laughs> she thought <laughs> you were 160 right pounds. And your character sheet says, well, I won't say. It'd be rude to discuss your weight in front of chat. He's lean and hearty, though. Strong. Mm -hmm. Constitution. Mm -hmm. Dexterity. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, So they discuss your physical characteristics, how one might be able to know you. It talks about your tower. Um, There's a note in there about how your apprentice made the tower, made it seem like the tower was not a welcome place, but you were uh, gregarious enough to open it to her. Um, She speaks of your wealth and generosity. Uh, She did not even have to ask, and you sort of took her under your wing and fed her and clothed her and gave her money and, you know, helped pass information to her. Um, It's generally a glowing review of Necrot as, like, this oasis of civilization and magic and industry in an otherwise brutal, inhospitable, uh, desolate wasteland of hills does her copy of the notes say I'm just kidding this is, this is probably transcribed by Cassandra so presumably yeah. it's what she wrote yeah someone was just like looking over her shoulder copying down as she wrote there's no weird footnote where she speculates that I'm uh, I don't know that my, where she interviews my parents and she's like I bet one of the gods came and cuckolded Devon's mother or something like that no no Greek myths interspersed in there. Well, where it gets interesting are the notes on Atropos, because she's asked about oh. around for Atropos, and the notes also clearly say that you studied under her, and the reviews of Atropos are not glowing. They are dark. They are terrible. They reveal um, discomfortable lechery um, and abuse and are the section on Atropos then like sort of leads back to the section on you talking about how Devon must have suffered similar fates under the hand of this creature and has managed to overcome this or perhaps has, you know, um, fueled his fires to be the man that he is today based on these things. But 
you know, his upbringing was uh, under the tutelage of a horrendous seer of the world who uses noxious vapors to read the future. Hmm. Um, Also sounds fairly accurate. Yeah. Oftentimes there are, like, sources quoted, like, this description of Dawn came from myself. This description of his parents come from interviewing them. All the sections on Atropos are uh, unattributed citations. Did she get them from my own library? No. No. I don't think you have reports about Atropos's uncomfortable petting. <laughs> no, definitely not that. But there's mm-hmm. probably mention of it. If... Devon, I mean, I did say Devon was recording all of his divination, all of his legend lore, some of which were cast on Atropos. Mm-hmm. But again, those would have been like carved in a stone tablet and stashed away in the library somewhere. And it seemed like she didn't really have any interest in reading. She was just going to interview people. Mm-hmm. So anyways. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Devon, what would you like to do? Let's, uh, I mean, are we skipping ahead the uh, full 20 weeks and I think so. Okay. Um, in that time, I will have... Um, perhaps servants go out procuring gemstones, or maybe, um, maybe my craftsmen involved. Maybe there's some even in the house. I think I would like them to be of suitable elemental affinity. I do believe earlier I mentioned that someone had come through town trading gemstones for uh, ore for um, silver and copper bars, actually ingots. So there is a fresh supply of gemstones in town that can be purchased with, you know, regular coinage for you or magic jar requires a gem or large crystal. I don't think it specifies its value, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. But I think for my purposes, I would like them to be associated with the particular elements. So for a water elemental, maybe an aquamarine. Mm. For fire elemental, maybe like a fire opal. Or if there's similar, Mm -hmm. maybe a topaz for air elemental. Or like quartz or smoke quartz. or Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I'm not sure what all of these are probably... Any rocks probably good for an earth elemental. Just like a piece of slate. It doesn't specify that it needs to be. Right? Is there more to the magic jar spell than is there? It doesn't specify like a cost like the spell usually would. Might in the player's handbook. I know the spell lists are not perfect. So the three gemstone types that are new in town, uh, one is aquamarine, 
One is Peridot, and one is Spinel? Spinel? Spinel. Spinel. Um, I think it's a, a reddish Spinel, an olive green Peridot, and a pale blue green Aquamarine. There are. Um, Black Prince's Ruby. Two Aquamarines, four Peridots, and four Spinels. Peridot and Spidel. Okay, Peridot is Olivine gemstone. Um, well, the Aquamarine will surely be useful. I think that seems suitable for a water elemental. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this would be necessary, but I'm planning on, I'm hoping that I can catch, we'll see what happens when I do this. I'm hoping to be able to catch these elemental spirits and use them for later spell creation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I guess even if the spirit leaves, just having like a aquamarine that has been visited by a water elemental soul might still be useful. Um, I guess I could see using the spinel for a fire elemental, maybe the peridot for an earth elemental. Okay. But it doesn't quite scream. Maybe I'll, I think I will, over this time, I will probably, word will get out that I am willing to pay richly for uh, for gemstones. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe rumors get it, like I go to visit the gem carver and I'm like oddly particular about the kind of gemstones. Right, I don't care that the aquamarine is probably not as valuable as the others. It's, it's right. something sentimental about it. Right. Right. So I'm like, I send out word that I'm seeking fire opals or like whatever other seems appropriate. So the word we'll will have... quickly spread when the great Archmage Devon is looking for a gemstone. People quickly get the impression that if they can find this, they can probably sell yeah. it to you at a pretty good price because you will pay right, it. So because you got money. Right. So maybe there will probably be people bringing gemstones to me thinking that they've got the perfect one and be like, get these rubies away from me. I don't want a ruby. I want... <laughs> a so fire perfect. opal is one that I've asked for in particular. Mm-hmm. I think smoke quartz seems like it'd be good for uh, for an air elemental, which is relatively worthless mm-hmm. gemstone. But Yeah, actually, I'm going to just make a quick roll to see if some smoke so quartz can be found... Um, yeah, easy. Smoke Quartz uh, is the first custom gem to be found and delivered to you. Okay, somewhere over the course of these 12 weeks or whatever of spell research. 20 and I probably weeks, yeah. w- way overpay for it. But, uh, well, the first eight that's weeks true. The were first a different spell. Were... Yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah, so the, I probably way overpay for this quite mundane gemstone. But mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to look at the list of gems and see if anything else looks worthy of note um there's a bunch here maybe like hematite would be good for an earth elemental oh yeah that's also relatively cheap 
turquoise. Could have also been water elemental, but we got some. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the heck rock crystal is. Smoke quartz is semi-precious. Coral might have been an interesting water elemental. Fire opal are apparently expensive on here. I'm not sure about the earth elemental. Maybe onyx, maybe hematite, maybe even that uh, peridot or something. But I think mm -hmm. we'll start with this aquamarine and maybe the quartz. I don't know. Well, let's see. Not sure which one I'm feeling, but we'll take these. And I think we will do this at the magic circle just because it seems like a auspicious place to do summoning. And what are you doing here? How does this work? Um, well, we'll gather the apprentices. We'll make sure we've got a um, dispel magic scrolls handy. Although that could really screw things up. You can dispel magic and like break the magic jar and mm. kill the kill the wizard who casts it, or dispel magic and like break the connection with the elemental and ruin everything mm -hmm. so the plan is to conjure an elemental magic jar do we want to hear the plan first or should we just take it round by round and throw you for a loop <laughs> i'm down to just experiment if you want i thought the yeah. plan might be nice for chat but you want to no we can just maybe them. set the scene so we're out. So which of the apprentices wants to come? Our, uh, oh, for this one, everyone wishes to pay there. witness to this event. Okay. So Moff and Cassandra ha aren't turned off about what happened last time at the uh, at the magic circle. The Not enough den. to stay away, right? They've all volunteered okay. to live this life. So okay. they're here. Can we get some appropriately spoopy music? Yeah. Some kind of for a dark ritual. Oh, yeah. And of course, this has to happen under like cover of night, right? We're out there in our like black robes. Yeah. Surrounded by. Uh, surrounded candles by candles or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and. Oh, I wanted to take a look at the elemental conjuring and see which one. Whether air or water will be first, and what materials we need. Already, there's water in the brackish fan, so I think I could just pull up a an earth elemental or a water elemental, mm -hmm. an air elemental, burning incense. That seems that seems more appropriate for the ritual, right? Mm. So we're gonna go ahead, and there's there's candles and burning incense, mm -hmm. and. A coven of three witches gathered at this magic circle. And then their master, Devon, emerges from the uh, staircase below. The candles are set. The flames flicker in the relatively still air of the brackish fen. 
You can hear the bugs and insects and the frogs all around you croaking out into the night. Oh, whoa, Conjure Elemental takes a full turn. Mm. I didn't... That's... Oh, and it... Oh, it lasts one turn per level. I totally oh. misunderstood this spell. Well, then. Let's check in at the end of the second. Every round? Can you dispel it? I mean, I guess... Okay, whatever. We misunderstood the spell last time. That's a long... 90 minutes? But then you've got a 5% chance every round of losing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can dispel it. This elemental remains in its form until destroyed due to damage or the spell's duration expires. Okay, so we kind of breezed over that last. Well, I thought it was round. I thought it was one round and one round per level. So that it means w- if you're a high level wizard, your elemental will eventually break free of you and you will have to destroy it. Yeah. Or you could like command it to leave. Yeah. I Just guess get it, out of here. it won't go thirty yard, more than 30 yards per level away. I don't know. Interesting consequences. In any case, that does seem more interesting that it's a 10-minute ritual to conjure this elemental. Hmm. So Devon uh, lights the incense, encants some words, waves his arms around, and I would like to read the description of an air elemental. Breeze picks up. Like Google faster than I can open a monstrous manual. Probably not. Elemental air. Air elementals can be conjured in any area of open air where gusts of wind are present. I'm sure there's gusts of wind everywhere, aren't there? Air elementals appear as as an amorphous shifting cloud when it answers its summons to the prime materia plane. They rarely speak, but their language can be heard in the high-pitched shriek of a tornado or the low moan of a midnight storm. I bet we waited for a dark and stormy night out here in the brackish fen, right? Ah, then the candles flicker vigorously in the gusting winds. Mm-hmm. Apprentices are constantly relighting torches, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to trying to seem cool while they can't manage to keep their candle lit. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and then a whirlwind forms, probably blowing out all of their candles as this uh, air elemental is summoned. Uh, I've got one round for free, so I can get the magic jar off spell before I have to start rolling to make sure it doesn't turn on me. Excellent. Um, let's the see. air elemental forms before you, spinning in on itself, confined to the realm of the magic circle in which it is cast, creating a blustering, larger than a dust devil, smaller than a tornado. That's eight feet. These are fast boys. 36 fly speed. Mm-hmm. Um, they do 2d10 points of damage with focused blasts of air. In the air, they do more. And it can turn into a whirlwind. Eight hit dice will produce a whirlwind 40 feet tall. 
So he lasts for a round, sweeps and kills, sweeps and kills creatures under three hit dice. Bye-bye, apprentices. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let it escape. All right, yeah. Don't let it escape. All right, and then I cast a magic jar spell the following round. All right, so this enables me to shift my life force into a receptacle. In this case, I shift my life force into the smoke quartz gem. Mm-hmm. And um, do you think this gem can just be raw, or did it need to be specially formed into a into an amulet by my craftsman? It would have needed to be specially formed, maybe not into an amulet, but at least into a cut stone that is prepared okay. for this exact ritual. Okay. All right. I, from there, I can exchange life forces between the receptacle and another creature. It must be within range, which is like 10 yards per level. That's fine. We're all in this magic circle. Mm-hmm. All right. Shifts into the receptacle in the in the round. The act, the casting is completed, allowing no other action. So I think Devon's body falls limp in the magic circle. We probably set him up with like somewhere to sit, mm-hmm. or at least he laid down uh, comfortably. All right, I can sense and attack any life force within ten feet per level on the same plane. Although I can't sense distances, so I just sense the life force of my three apprentices and hopefully the life force of this elemental. Yes, and the life force of the elemental is clearly the strongest in the area. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest to see, quote unquote, in the area. And an attempt to take over a host requires a full round. So the following round, I am attempting to take over the air elemental. Rolling a d20 and hoping I don't get a one. Okay, so I've got Ooh. a chance. Let's see. Um, do I have... This might be easier from the book. Yeah. Um, requires a full round. Saving throw is modified by subtracting the combined intelligence and wisdom scores of the target from those of the wizard. Um, I think I utterly destroy this guy in terms of wisdom and intelligence. I don't know what his wisdom is, but his intelligence is no more than seven. Yeah, my wisdom is probably in the realm of 12 at most. My combined int and wisdom is 29. So 12 and seven is 18. at most 19, so it's a difference of 10. 9 to 12 is a minus 2. So it's a saving throw at minus 2. Oh, wait, hold on. Difference. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the target makes the saving throw at a minus two. Correct. So I need the air elemental to make a saving throw at minus two. Okay. And I think I can try this every single round. The danger here is that the air, the earth elemental gets mad and turns on us. 
Alrighty. It rolls a seven. Including the minus two? No, just a flat seven. I gotta look up the I guess it's, that makes it a five. It's an eight it's an eight hit die creature. So there's no way that it's gonna pass that. I think mm-hmm. spell minus nine, but I'm a wizard. Yeah, Warrior, think... eight hit die, saving throw versus spell thirteen, and it rolls a modified five. It fails its saving throw. How familiar familiar are you with the magic jar spell? Very unfamiliar. Okay. I wasn't sure if this would work, but how? what happens? How do you feel about uh, a wizard taking, like, does an elemental have a soul? It absolutely How do you feel about does. a wizard taking over the form of an elemental? Let me read this spell real quick. I mean, there's the bit, there's a bit that's like, if you are, if the creature is humanoid, you can cast spells. Like, clearly it's not. I can't cast spells. Come on, Neil, you've had like a month to read up on this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what better place than Dicing with Death to uh, figure out how a magic jar works? So you can clearly go into a non-human host or humanoid host, which you do, and you take on the very form of the wind itself. However, you are confined to the magic circle. You can push against it and find that you can go nowhere. You cannot go forward. You cannot go back. You are confined in this column. There's a cracking of thunder. Devon shouts out, I am the wind. And the tornado whirls with a roar. You can see that each of your uh, apprentices looks cautiously at your body and then up at the swirling maelstrom. You cannot hear their voices that they speak over the roar of your own thunder. Um, they seem nervous. Don't, yeah, I don't think they will have any obvious indication that it's worked other than maybe like the clashes of thunder and the gusts of wind right on cue. Mm-hmm. So they're probably like, did it work? <laughs> What's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and with the elemental's spirit safely locked in a magic jar, I assume there's no more fighting to be done, right? It can attempt to turn on me, but even if it does, it's stuck inside of a magic jar. It is sealed away in the magic jar until such time as you release it. Um, great. Um, and we might need to retcon that I cast another magic jar beforehand. So you can, so like, I was just realizing that 
the caster can shift freely from the host to the receptacle. So you can go from body, you, you can't go from body to body. You've got to go from body to vessel. Oh. Can I jump to a separately prepared vessel or like to a separate vessel? Or did we, did I previously prepare a second magic jar? Did I cast a second magic jar like earlier today by myself in the basement? What's your interpretation of that? I just so want to clearly... check, make sure you can't move to body, from body to body. Pretty sure you can't, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh wait, let's see. Two fighters take a blood giant. Caster can determine there are three stronger. Caster could take over either strong. spell ends when the wizard shifts from the jar to his own body. Yeah. So you must move into the jar to return to your body. Can I have a second jar handy? Or did do we want to retcon that I prepared a second jar? Yeah. Because right, my, my plan now is to jump to a second jar and then jump back to my body and have an elemental soul trapped in a gem. Which, yeah. Do we do it? Does this require a second casting of a magic jar? It probably did. So I think, I think it does. It requires two magic jars that you are attuned to at the yeah. same time, and then you force the elemental into one magic jar when you take over its body, and then you mm-hmm. return to your other receptacle. Leaving, if this were an air elemental, or if this were like an ogre, then you just leave a husk of an ogre in place as you go back to your body. Um, I think think this is going to leave an unbound elemental in the magic circle. um, Um, Less than that even, because the elemental would just leave its body behind, which is just a swirling chaos of wind in this mm -hmm. situation. So I think it'll actually just dissipate, and you will instead have a trapped elemental in a jar um, so do you want to retcon? So I'm thinking Devon couldn't... I think what I needed to do is use a magic jar and take over the body of one of my apprentices for the second magic jar. Because if I go back to my original body, the spell ends. So is this an experiment that we're going to we're gonna end here and be like, okay, I really need a second magic jar prepared? Or do you want you to would retcon? Have you I... spent t- 12 weeks researching this. You would have known yeah. this ahead of time. Okay. So I think... I don't... Well, maybe this I mean, maybe this was one of... Well, I don't know. I mean, so I think what happened is Devon isn't even there. Devon magic jars into one of his apprentices before this starts. And then using that body, he magic jars again from the apprentice's body, shifting his soul with the elemental... Right, so it's really just the three apprentices up in the magic circle. Devon's original body in the basement. So Devon in the basement, magic jars into an apprentice. Say Asoy. Asoy. Then the Asoy... The Asoy Asoy goes and casts magic jar again, 
putting is putting Devon's soul. So a soy soul is is a, is in a magic jar. Devon's in a soy. Devon casts magic jar again, and moves into the air the elemental, element. who moves into the magic jar, and then and leaving then, a soy's body unconscious on the ground. So then, and then Devon will have to, and then Devon will go back into a soy's into the magic jar that has a soy, and displacing a soy's soul back to her own body. And then Devon can go from that original magic jar back to his original body. Yes. <laughs> and the elemental then... then, and then you wind up with the elemental in the in the vessel or in the gemstone, right? And then the unbound because elemental you did not or... return to the host body that you cast magic jar from. Mm-hmm. So a soy has been displaced and replaced into her body, but her body and your soul are now linked because the magic jar spell is still active. It's not still active because I, I have to go back to, a to magic. I, I don't think you can just send a soul back to its body. Right, because I, I think there's a point where Devon goes back into the first magic jar. Mm-hmm. To, to bump a soy back to her own body. Mm-hmm. Right, because you can't go from host to host. You have to always go through the jar. Right. Right, so you go back into the jar. I, I feel like we might need a diagram, but we go, it's like... It's definitely a flowchart that's needed here somewhere. I, I think I I think I got it, but we, it might have been easier to explain with the flowchart. Okay. That would leave the... I think that, that would end both magic jar spells, right? Well, except for the the one with the oh, the one with the elemental in it is still going. It's still going because you, at the time that you cast that, you were in a soy's body, and mm-hmm. so that spell will end when you return to a soy's body. Which is why I'm oh, saying okay. there's a magic link between Devon's soul and a soy's body now, via the magic jar spell, where like okay. it's waiting for you to return to displace the elemental. Interesting. Okay. This is confusing and may have some consequences that don't really matter, but... uh, Right, because when everyone's back in their original bodies, there's just a magic jar spell that hasn't resolved, right? Right, well, everyone's in their bodies except for the elemental, who is now stuck in a gemstone. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to... How do we want to play this out? Do... Do we need to do a second ritual where we do that all properly, or do we want to... No, I think you you planned this out ahead of time, and we just fumbled okay. through it because we were rushing. I was um, trying to make it narratively interesting and not, like, explain the plan ahead of time. And right. And it turned out to... Yeah. That, yeah. Right, so, because the, the ritual would have just been the coven of the three witches, and Devon, was, the master never even never even shows up mm-hmm. until it's time to put the souls back. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating. Um, and you will, yeah. Never mind. I'll slow roll it. Yeah. So, what happens to the elemental when its soul goes in the jar and Devon leaves its body to go back into the other magic jar? It is a swirling tornado, no longer elemental, just an actual tornado, which means it is no longer confined by the magic circle and just tears off into the okay. swamp, becoming a water spout. Um, now there is a whoo 
I, I'm assuming your three... It's not... The tornado is a special power elemental, by the way. But... Mm-hmm. Right, so it's just a, it's a small eight-foot cyclone, not a 40-foot tornado. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe your there's apprentices, a chance I, I assume, are in a triangle, like, right? So yeah. it's going to go some direction and might run into one of them. Unlikely, mm-hmm. but possible. Uh, this is what... Each one is a one in three chance to be the subject of the tornado's direction. Yeah. Give me a... I need to go open the gate for a second. But, yes. Uh, we can keep going. So you can maybe calculate who gets hit with the tornado. Hopefully nobody. Yes. So a one is Cassandra, a two is Moth, a three is a Soy for the direction it goes. That is Moth. That's not necessarily going to go directly at Moth. That's just a 60-degree zone that it heads towards. Um, let's say Moth is within a 10-degree cone, so it's really only one in three chance of going straight at Moth. So a one on a 1d3 means it heads directly at Moth. Whew, okay, it doesn't. It ends up going to the side slightly. I think Moth can then escape. Let's just throw a... I think it's pretty pretty safe at that point because it's only like eight feet. What happened? Did someone get hit with the tornado? No, no, no. The tornado sort of headed in the direction of Moth, but not directly at her, and she was able to move to the side. It swirled across the brackish fen, becoming a water spout before its own internal energy uh, dwindled. Since it was not the construct of natural atmospheric events, it only mm-hmm. had a short duration in which to whirl before it died out. Um, and then as you arise from the sub-basement you will find Soy already in concentration casting detect magic Um, and then looking at you and then looking at her herself like looking down at herself and tracing the space between the two of you and her eyes go wide and shifts to the side and her head cocks slightly um, and she looks deeply concerned. Um, I think Devon ignores her to go collect the, uh, to go to the elemental gem. Mm-hmm. It's resting um, right where you left it. She's probably concerned about this unresolved magic jar spell and whatever whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does this mean I could jump my soul back into... Th- I thought the spell ends when you go from the magic... Okay, but I haven't gone through the magic jars there with an elemental soul in it so yeah. at any time forever Devon could swap his soul with the elemental soul but then the elemental soul goes into his own body or something like that you have entered and... the realm outside of what your research has shown yeah. you to work mm-hmm. there's only one way to know what would happen next yeah and I think you have other plans for the elemental soul rather than figuring out. I don't think it's out. ever leaving. Um, my question is what happens at the end of the Conjure Elemental spell? So in an hour and a half, does the soul go back to its plane? No. Or is it trapped here forever? It is trapped in the jar until released. All right. But to what end, Devon? To what end have you bound this wretched creature's soul? I hadn't gotten that far. 
Uh, um, just because you can, spoken like a true scientist. <laughs> um, the end. The ultimate goal is to get all four elemental stones and probably attach them to the divine mantle and create an ultimate magical item. Mm-hmm. Yes, or something like that. <laughs> something indeed. Yeah, time to do this with every elemental for the full for the full set. Um. We can. I'm gonna go free my baby from the car seat. Um, um, yeah. Well, maybe we should be getting to a wrap up. I still have some things well, to do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I want to go like right this second. Go then. Um, run. Okay. Are we keep keeping it live? And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll keep it live until okay. you get back. wonder i wonder where this will lead us i wonder if we will get to that elemental staff or if his curiosity will get the better of him and it will be unleashed elsewhere else how will it be into some sort of perma-bound aerial servant that can do his bidding for him or will it be I don't know. Jim is going to be a component for a magic item. Well, I mean, that's what he says right now. But you've seen the attention span of players. Soon as a better idea comes along. You know, there. there's the difference between intent and execution. Intent may be one thing. All right. Yo. Wrap up. Yeah. So you are here with this soul. When you finally stop musing on the fundamental realities of the world and all that this means for you, you can see that your apprentices are huddled together um, in deep conversation, concerned, and your attention turns back to them. They look at you with a, a kind of a surreal horror. What is it? Kevin says. Do they tell him his, their there, concerns? <laughs> there's a there's a cord between us. Says a soy. Yes, I hadn't considered this, but the first magic jar spell is not resolved. Does that mean you can take over my body at will? Devon slowly shakes his head. Any transfer must go through the jar. Devon gestures to the uh, to the smoky quartz crystal. And you can always resist. 
Can I? Of course. First time you voluntarily failed your saving throw. But... <laughs> um, in the event of an emergency, you could always dispel magic. Uh, one but, of the silver uh, scrolls, yes. But I do not know where that would leave uh, this elemental energy. Mm-hmm. It, it's a risky option. I don't... Uh, I can't think of any consequences to our souls being linked. Can you? I can fear many, but I know of none that makes sense yet. I guess this is just a physical manifestation of my trust being in your hands or my life being in your hands. Three elements yet remain, so I think the uh, spiritual hat trick has not yet been completed. Devon looks meaningfully to the next apprentices. (laughs) Doesn't that mean we'll need another apprentice? Oh. Maybe, maybe. Um. Or another willing subject. Or another less willing subject? In time. Well, I think that is enough eldritch horror for the day. Uh, The party can return to Necrot safely. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should probably wrap up here. (laughs) Pickled and elemental, basic stuff. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know that I could just dispel it. I'm not sure what happens if I if there's a way to dispel the magic jar without releasing the the wizard who casts the magic jar is forced back into his own body. The spell ends. I would love to see some Reddit threads discussing the possible ramifications of Magic Jar, because we've talked about it now for a couple of hours, but inevitably in the post-game thoughts, new ideas will come to people. Um, So if anyone has any ideas on Magic Jar notions, we can steal your ideas and have them be the Apprentice's ideas. Twitch chat the Apprentice. Uh, I think we've already gotten some ideas for the divine mantle. Mm-hmm. But uh, any other magical item ideas? Mm-hmm. Or, or what you can do with the, the an elemental soul? Or four mm-hmm. elemental souls once we collect them all? <laughs> then you got to go to the next town and fight their gym leader to get the other elemental souls. Nice. Okay. Also, right. for those of you wondering how Esoy spells her name, it is E S O I, Esoy, not A Soy. S Oi. Fine. Uh, that will wrap us up for today. We will be back with Dicing with Death sometime in the future at an unknown point. 
but it will return. All Life right. is complicated. That's all I have to say. Um, we'll yeah, have these two souls in its proper body. Haven't been summoning demons yet today. Have you Twitch chat or Devon's? So we'll have toss tomorrow and uh, pawns and patrons on Saturday. And then literally nothing next next week, and and then a regular week the week after that. All right. Cool. Thanks for watching. Goodbye, everybody. Bye bye. And we're clear. Nope, I am still talking somehow. <laughs>